Coming to you from deep in the flyover states, we reviewed New Japan Pro Wrestling Ring of Honor Global Wars 2017 Night 3. This is the Golden Age of Grappling Podcast. Welcome to the show. This is the Golden Age of Grappling Podcast, episode 243. I'm DP. And I'm Tony G. DP this week for the people. We went all the way back. It felt like 20 years ago, just how much shit's changed since the show. We watched Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling bring you Global Wars 2017. We watched the Columbus show. Yeah, night which three. Yeah, night three, which DP and I had the pleasure of attending live yeah. in Columbus. Yeah, we we had, we were there live with great seats. So this week we're gonna see if the harsh light of reality and and two years later or three years later uh, changes that, or if if our glowing memories like lose their shine, or if it was just a great show. We'll uh, we'll have to figure that out as we review it here today. But the reason that we're Absolutely. talking about this show is because this is a wrestling review podcast. Each week, Tony and I get together. We discuss a wrestling event that we agreed to watch the previous week. It's like the Oprah's Book Club, but for wrestling nerds. For any and all information about the show, links to any sort of social media, you can find that at goldenagepodcast.com. And if you feel the need to express yourself a little bit longer than you can on the social media access points, you can send us an email, goldenagegrappling at gmail.com. Yeah, so please do that. Engage. Let us know what you yeah. think. Definitely. We'd love to hear from you. So, And we do take requests. If you've got a show that you'd like to hear us review, send those our way. Yeah. And and my voice is a bit hoarse this evening, and that is from excessive yelling and screaming at a wrestling show ah. last night. So so they did not take the uh, Japanese way of, of enforcing rules of, of limiting <laughs> vocal oh, no. output. I was actually hit in the shins with a stick every time I made any noise out of my mouth, but it was worth it. I couldn't help myself. Um, no, they, yes. no, they weren't doing that. It was, it was, we were all screaming through our masks. So nice. um, from that standpoint, and the pictures that I saw, at least from the shows that I saw, looked like they did a good job as far as like the distancing and stuff. Was that the case when yeah, you were there? I, I thought so. I mean, no, listen, I mean, there's some people out there that, you know, it, it maybe Look, wouldn't be quite anything a bit inside scares me when a lot of places are, right, are hitting their exactly. peaks. Like we just yeah. had our record in so Ohio. I, I don't know that it'd be a good right. idea to do it here, but yeah. you know. so I, so I get, so I get that, but from my standpoint, what I would say is, <laughs> yeah. yeah, people were super good about the masks. Like I couldn't believe it. Actually. I kind of kept looking around expecting it to like end and it nearly mm-hmm. never did. People sat in their groups. So that yeah. might, you know, that leads to it kind of looking like, Oh, well they're not, but if you from I was you know in the building and people were seated in their groups and there was space between those groups yeah. you know some were in large groups and so you could question if that's a great uh, idea okay. but they you know if they all came together I you know I don't know what what you do about that but um mm-hmm. so yeah they you know I thought they did temperature checks as you came in oh nice um, so you know I mean listen it like you said I understand anybody has any hesitations about anything inside right now yeah um, <laughs> but I you know. It it is what it is, and uh, I think they did a damn good job. And uh, and there you was know, the wrestlers, you know, the wrestlers themselves. I mean, a lot of that's in their hands. That's kind of has to be a code amongst them to be test. You know, I, I yeah. From what I saw on the social media, it looked like most of those people that were involved. I saw them posting their 
results even like the you know picture of the results and all that so yeah um we'll, we'll see but you know the show itself was outstanding it was so much fun to be what specific one did you go to joey janela's spring break okay i just wanted to make sure we got the actual title because there was like 15 shows taking oh, yeah. place at the collective oh, yeah. in indianapolis or whatever yeah and, and only due to the fact that i worked saturday and sunday and friday and I had other things going on. I would have probably gone to more shows. Um, but yeah, it was at a friend of mine that went to Effie's Big Gay Brunch Saturday at noon and talked about, you know, just how amazing that was. Cassandro nice. and Sunny Kiss was apparently. Yeah, I heard good really things about match. that. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but the Joy Janela show itself, I mean, it's never a bad thing when your show opens with a surprise Orange Cassidy appearance. That was. That's pretty awesome. That place went fucking nuts. That place went <laughs> fun. So Ricky Shane Page, the GCW champion, and his crew of assholes from Ohio were all in the ring, you know, terrorizing everybody because he had an open challenge. You know, he was mm-hmm. it was like an open challenge thing. And he went through this whole like bringing people out and then like having his crew beat him up and throw him out. And okay. someone had come out and they before like a match could start. Like and then Danhausen came out and everyone fucking was pretty crazy about that. And that one was like cape was off i was like oh fuck all right here we go and then damn it they did it to him too they like <laughs> jumped him and beat him down and so it was the whole thing and then fucking the chicago bulls alan parsons project inch like their intro th- that, yeah. that intro theme started playing and fucking orange cassidy stepped through that curtain dude and that place <laughs> exploded it was so awesome man and then they had a hint uh, ricky shane page had a really good match as well so that's awesome um, that was a fun way to start the show, you know, and I'm not, I'd like to talk about the positives, but I will say five hours was a large <sighs> ass. That's a long time, man. No intermission, which is fine. Cause I, it only would have extended the show. Yeah. Um, and it was one of those things where it, there wasn't anything that was like, ugh. well, except for the, the main event. <laughs> but other <laughs> than that, it was like that the clusterfuck should have been the main event. Because okay. it was just cotton candy, man. Yeah, it's well, that's what, it's a Royal Rumble kind of. It's wacky. There's all mm-hmm. kinds of wild people. The Invisible Man was in it. There's you know a lot of surprises. People showed up, and then to have a match after that, like I will bet, I would say twenty five, thirty people, maybe even more, left after the clusterfuck. Oh wow! Because not only was it exhausting, dude, that match was probably like an hour. Yeah, because that was the thing that I. The, I was about to say that the clusterfuck, like ever since it's been introduced, like it seems like right. every time it happens, I hear so many good things about it and how yeah. much just pure fun, but that it's oh. also super long. And it, they do a, such a nice, they did such a good job booking it too. Like people get in their moments and nice. they, I, I was impressed with how they put that puzzle together, but then they had to also set up for a death match. Ah. So we had to bring out barbware. We had to bring out light tubes. We had to put them in the ropes. We had to, <laughs> and dude, people were just ex- exhausted and then i also realized that i think i've grown out of death matches it's like you really i, gotta was, do I it was just well, like for me i feel like i was just like I'm not, i think that you can take elements of that kind of stuff and incorporate it into good matches uh-huh. but dude watching two guys with a pile of light tubes and they just one guy picks it up and he hit the guy <laughs> and the other guy picks it up and he hit the guy and yeah you know how I feel about the chops in New Japan. So I yeah. mean, who was two, who was in the match for the main Matt match? Tremont, Matt Tremont. It was one of his. It's one of his last matches ever. Like he's, okay. you know, it's like your star. And you know, listen, he's been around forever, and he's, you know, a pretty decent talent. He's been, you know, hell of a guy. You know, worked for a long time with CZW and Alex Cologne's a death match. You know, they're both big death match guys. 
But man, that crowd was just <clears throat> pooped. They were spent, man. And I just kind of <laughs> felt a little bad for those guys because they bled buckets and they Ugh. did all kinds of stupid shit to each other. And I'm like, man, is it worth it? Yeah. <laughs> like, I felt bad. You know, I just, I hate to say it, but I was like, mm, this is just no good. But I mean, ACH and Leo Rush had a singles match with one another. That was nice. Cool as hell. Spider, Spider Nate Webb won the clusterfuck, in fact. Uh, Ricky Morton and Joey Janela was way better than it should have been. That's I and, saw I saw so many people with that exact like comment being like I did not want, like really expect to love this match, but they was, were like the crowd adored Ricky and it was great. Yeah, it did, man. It really did. It like surpassed expectations by a long, like by a mile. Um, Jonathan Gresham, Lee Moriarty, awesome technical match. Alex Shelley and Tony Deppin had a really good uh, nice. you know technical match. So there's. You know, really a nice mix of things. Santana and Ortiz showed up for a six-man tag match. That was cool Hell to yeah. see. Marco Stunt was a part of the clusterfuck, so there was, you know, some fun surprises. So yeah, overall, great show. That's why I'm hoarse. <laughs> I can't say I can't sing the high notes. I realized in my driving and singing today, so you know, had nice. to work on that. Well, hopefully that uh, it was a lot of fun, and uh, hopefully everything yeah. keeps going well over there because it seems like they're doing a lot of stuff with uh, independent wrestling in Indianapolis. Yeah. Like that's ground zero this, for the rebuild. It feels like the city county council named Saturday, whatever that was, October tenth, Indie Wrestling Day in Indianapolis. So how about that nice. proclamation from the city council? I'm sure they were just super excited to have the word indie right there, so that it's like, well, it just makes sense. Well, <laughs> right, I'm sure, we'll on. call it, it does Indie make Wrestling sense. Day. It's a perfect fit. All right, so now that's a little bit of what's currently going on in the current world, but nationally, more people paying attention to the television world of wrestling. So let's take oh, maybe. a little slice of that and uh, put it into the appetizer segment of our show. It's the Sid Vicious Dishes. Yeah, with that board, with this look on my face, it was something that was given to me because of people like you. See, he's going to stereotype me. all the skeptics and all the people have a little bit of let me do this again oh it's live how sorry all right, Tony, we are live. What do we got this week? The draft has gone live, DP. <laughs> Jesus. This, oh, boy. This this is quite a banana unpeel here, folks. This is just such a it's such a disappointment to, to me at this point in my life to have one of the things that I loved so fucking much about wrestling right. turn into yeah. something that I just don't give like it's like it they, they announced well, it and i was like i don't give yeah. a shit like you just did this last year none of it mattered you had invitationals you had special shows oh, where you yeah. could Wild go against cards. each other's and all this other shit it's like it's just so frustrating because it's like i want to like this i want to love the draft right. but it, they make it well, hard because there's a few main big problems it hasn't been done right since like the first handful of them yeah because you have to have competing gms if there's no competition between the shows and that's another thing about this there's no rhyme or reason for any of these picks. Yeah. There's no one to hear from because Stephanie is just the figurehead 
representing apparently according to the the announcers uh network executives from Fox and USA what giving oh. their in giving their input on who would be best for their shows oh okay i'm sure that those network executives watch regularly the uh wwe so, products so it just you know so i'll dive into it so we start this draft if you're really going to try to make this interesting or shake things up you have your both of your world champions were in the pool for the first round of draft picks on mm-hmm. SmackDown. Yeah. First pick, Raw, Drew McIntyre, the Raw champion. <laughs> Second pick from SmackDown, Roman Reigns, the SmackDown champion. I just have here my notes. Well, this is going well so far. Like, this <laughs> is just, wow, the drama here. Wow, I mean, good to see we're shaking things up here, guys. Um, this is part of the problem of, of why it doesn't make sense to only have it every year. Like, I like right. th- those first couples because it was just when Vince felt like everything was getting stale. It's time to shake things up again. We're gonna have a draft. Right. Like, well, and it and it mattered, and there were stakes. And the yeah. other thing that's so like mind exploding, awful about this draft is picking people that were already on your show. That was another thing that didn't make any well, sense to me. See, was they, the idea that they had to they had to make sure and like protect their people. You know, like a ricochet, like. Yeah. Why would you use a draft pick on Ricochet? But then I realize I see and I, I realize that the people that aren't being drafted out of the pools are all now free agents. Oh, and okay. So that's what I was wondering if because like I'm okay with the idea of drafting your champions if the, the idea is that everyone's st- they're rebuilding the rosters from ground zero. That's the idea. We we've taken all the co- people out of yeah. the cup. Co- we're not drafting from Raw to SmackDown or from Raw to Raw. We're just drafting out of you know our our base of, of people, which I kind of understand that, but at the same time, I guess without the competition, it doesn't make much sense to do that. No, no, it, it's just strange, you know. Because you're like, well, you would think you would use your draft picks to select talent you want from the other show. That's kind of what makes this interesting or makes it work, you know. <clears throat> so when you're just Protecting your talent, I it just I didn't like it because Raw picked Oscar, SmackDown did pick Seth Rollins, which that was something. That's yeah, kind of interesting. Although the all of these also just end up breaking down into trades. You basically had Seth Rollins traded for AJ Styles. Oh, who went okay. back to Raw? Who went back to Raw because he's trying to stay away from Paul Heyman? Um, Raw selected the entire Hurt business. I was like, well, that's convenient <laughs> that we're just <laughs> uh, yeah. If that's the case, yeah, just pick whoever's got the most numbers, like. Right. Retribution just got signed. They've got twenty people that just show up in masks. Like you should sign. Yeah. I, I pick those hey, guys. I'm, a, I'm in Retribution too, guys. Oh, okay. We'll get in here. Um, round two. Yeah, AJ go to Raw. Sasha Banks was selected by SmackDown. This was at this point where I kind of didn't understand the pool system, and I was like, wait, why hasn't Bailey been selected yet to be <laughs> on SmackDown since she's selected? And I was like, oh. She's not even eligible to be drafted tonight. Okay, so that would, makes a lot of sense. See, like, I thought it would make more uh, sense with the pools. Like, if you're going to do the pools then, then make it just, here's right. the pool of all the SmackDown talent, and then next yeah. week we'll have, here's the pool of all the Raw talent. And so... Exactly. exactly. Next week, everyone that SmackDown drafts is a, a steal, versus this week, everyone that Raw drafts is a steal. That, that would make more sense, I feel like, with the pool system. Totally. Absolutely. Um, Raw selected Naomi, so that's a... You know, a get from SmackDown, I guess. Uh, Bianca Belair was drafted by SmackDown. I was just, you know, okay. And then Ross elected the tag team champions, Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler. And I'm like, 
How can you do that? Because that's like a traveling belt. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. So I guess whenever you're done being able to go wherever you want, you have to come back here. Well, yeah, I guess once they're not champions, they would just officially be raw brand, I guess. Uh, The return of Lars Sullivan, DP, because this company just can't figure out things people don't want to (laughs) see. But he'll be in the pool Monday. <clears throat> oh, so. that's all it was they announced. I thought maybe it was like a surprise, like big draft get for one of these. Well, no, that's companies. that's the other thing. That's the other thing that this like format ruins is that you don't you can't have any NXT surprises or there aren't any. You know, like a Lars Sullivan could be a. I yeah. remember I think it was uh well I mean I hate to use this example because he's so awful but Chris Benoit was like coming back from injury. I remember during one of the drafts, and it was like a ha-ha, like oh, you didn't yeah. even know he, this guy was available, and he's coming back from injury, and now he's going to be on, you know, Our Raw show. or SmackDown. Everybody. Yeah, so, but since it's just Stephanie reading what a boardroom of executives, I guess, want to see. Remember also when they the, did that? With, remember the remember when Fox did the draft the first time, and they had, like, the war room? Yeah, with the robot um, and shit. Um, what? I'm curious now, like by putting them, the executives, these, these unnamed Fox and USA executives, yeah. now, if Pierce. they're drafting people that maybe in, in a few weeks, maybe there's more information that comes out about different things and they're really <laughs> no. problematic. Do they then, are they going to be upset that WWE is putting the blame for, for wanting that person on their show because they, <laughs> they, they were the ones that drafted them? Like. If the Fox yeah. execs are the guys that draft right. Lars Sullivan, and it turns out that he like punched a baby last week or something, like is that going to be right? Or or if you're Fox and you're like, hey Vince, are you being sued right now, currently for by a woman for yes, exactly, like the Matt Riddle thing, like if that lawsuit you know, reveals something more or something, and is and is the Fox network going to want to like have some big graphic with like. His stupid stone <laughs> grin on it, like drafted by you know smack you know Fox SmackDown, and like oh, that'll Fox be the picture they use on the, the news. Whatever, like, oh Jesus! Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they they probably didn't think that far ahead. And then dra- round three, Raw, their first pick, Ricochet. I love Ricochet, but you haven't done shit with Ricochet. Like it was just again a weird pick, you yeah. know, like. You know, not Apollo either. I don't, you know, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> and then SmackDown selected Jay Uso. So I guess that it for the Usos. Oh yeah, that's weird. Is Jimmy I, not I available how, because I, he's injured? Does he automatically get yeah. back to the Uso team once he comes back? Maybe that's the key. Yeah, maybe Jimmy's just going to be gone for a while or something. I don't know. But yeah, I thought that was interesting, and I didn't really hear much about it. Um, Raw selected Mandy, <sighs> and then later. They would use one of their picks on Dana Brooke, her tag team partner. Both of these women <laughs> have have been on Raw. Yeah, Mandy. It was, it was the whole thing where the Miz talked about it or whatever, and then she was like, yeah. mad on social media about it." So it's like, so you use a draft pick on someone that's already on your show, like that well, the- came from, has, already come, has, has already come from SmackDown recently. To your show, you know what well, I mean. Well, there's like, there's that, but also the fact that you used a draft pick, like that 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 I can understand. That can be written off just because you know everyone's yeah. in a new pool now. We're rebuilding the the rosters, but why right. would you spend two picks when you can spend one pick? <sighs> the the, the tag team waste. It's it's available for you to just take advantage right. of. Yeah, because like SmackDown also would select the Mysterio family. I'm like 
Excuse me? You can get the Mysterio like, family as one? Like, okay. So, is that, yeah, so, yeah. So, that's right, folks. Seth Rollins did not get pulled away from the Rey Mysterio storyline, and maybe we can go in new directions. Oh. Nope. And get this. On the Talking Smack supplemental draft, Murphy was also moved from Raw to We're SmackDown. taking that whole storyline and just moving so, it over here. Some Fox executive must have been like, we love that family drama you guys have on Monday nights. Oh. We'd love to see that come to Fridays. That is wild <laughs> that they did that. Like, good grief. See, that's the problem, s- though, is that I don't, the problem with the draft only having two brands is that, like, I feel like Kevin Owens has just, like, gone back and forth each year. And, and it's like, Pretty you much. can't just trade your rosters back and forth. You have right. to actually mix it up some, like, yeah. and when you, when you have this like six people that have all been involved in like one storyline for the last eight months, and you're bringing them <laughs> directly over to the other company, it doesn't all make any sense. Everybody, come on over! So, good God! So yeah, there was that. I guess probably the biggest bit of news involving uh, was the breakup of Heavy Machinery. Obviously, ah, you know Tucker being drafted away. Oh wait, and the New Day. The new day, I forgot. Yeah, yeah, they broke up the new day. That was the well, big one. Um, now, did the question is, did will they actually break up the new day, or will it be one of those things where because there is this constant interaction and shows of of pay per views with two companies in it, right? Just keep them aligned, but just on separate shows for now, sort of a thing. Like I could see that being a case. I mean, Big E weeping in the ring, like after it was announced. Oh, did I didn't kinda, see the actual? Yeah, so kind of makes me out. feel like it's over that's from a bummer, like though. the yeah about three years too late also i don't um, think so i don't I, I don't feel like that's the case just because i feel like they've continued to find ways to entertain yeah no me and, and, well i mean all those great things that happened like within this last year or so especially like kofi's stuff should have yeah. also happened <laughs> three or four years that's ago true, you know true. i'm not saying like none of that should have happened i'm saying you know this should have been ex- you know, sped up at some point um yeah. So now they Woods and Kofi would beat Cesaro and Nakamura for the tag titles. So Woods is back. Woods came back. It was a whole thing backstage where like Kofi surprised him and then Woods surprised him from the other side and they were okay. like, Oh, it's you know, great to see you guys and blah 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 blah. And um then they just literally said, We want a tag title match and I guess they made uh, it happen. So Okay. So Woods I, and Kofi won the tag team titles and then the first pick was, uh, yeah, yeah. The first pick from Raw was the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods. Gotcha. Not, not the New Day. Yeah. Because then it's like, uh, and then Smack, and then she said in SmackDown selects Big E, because you had you know Woods was even like saying out loud like you know say Big E. Say Big E. Like after she said. Oh, after she said Woods. Would, and yeah. He was like, and Big E. And it's like, no, you know, no, not Big E. You know, and so. It's just weird that the, also, the, so like now we're blaming the Raw executive or the SmackDown or, you know, USA and Fox executives for breaking up these teams for no reason. Like you could have three people. Nah, I don't want Big well, E on my show. I mean, does that mean Cesaro and Nakamura would have been the pick from Raw regardless of who the tag team champions were? That might have been the case, I guess, if they just needed champions. <laughs> so, but so. I don't know. So, so that was at least a good bit of drama, and it kind of continues to feed into this idea, or hope anyway, that they're moving towards a you know, big push for Big E. That's true. Uh, yeah, I, I still would like to see that. Time will tell. We'll find out. 
And you had mentioned earlier, I just wanted to tell you because I found I found it here. Um, I think Mercedes Martinez has, in fact, been removed from the retribution. Retaliation was her name because she is in the free agent pool. Oh, and, a, and yeah, there, there's already yeah, there's a large free agent pool. We won't go into all that, but everybody that wasn't picked out of the pool Friday isn't now eligible to be drafted on Monday. No, 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 no. They're just free agents that they're gonna do whatever they want with. Because now just, the Lucha House Party's been broken up because Kalisto was drafted okay. in the supplemental draft SmackDown, I think it was, but the Lucha House Party weren't drafted out of the pool, so now they're just free agents. I'm just curious, so that, like, on one hand, like, you could do a lot with that storyline, but I think right. that the WWE's just going to use it as the ability to have a loophole of, well, when we come up with an idea for somebody, we throw them on the show, and that was, they're afraid they signed. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're just going to yeah. wait until we come up with something for each person on each show. <laughs> oh, Figure it so, out later. I will at least say, yeah, there weren't any really egregious people. Shorty G might have been, like, the most egregious person here in the free agent pool. Jimmy Uso is a free agent, so that means the Usos are broken up, I guess. Well, damn. So there you go. We'll see what happens Monday <sighs> when it's probably only made worse. <laughs> I, I'd go, I, You don't care about everybody that's eligible. It's everybody that wasn't eligible Friday, folks. Yeah. They're eligible. <laughs> Goodness. So was Retribution in the pool? Retribution will be in the pool Monday. Monday. Okay. So along Raw, with Raw will probably else. spend their first draft pick on them then because that seems to be the case is that whoever's running Raw really likes <laughs> these guys that tried to break everything and ruin the company. I just, uh, I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing, man. We'll see how it all shakes out, I guess. Definitely. All right. So that is the current world of wrestling. But now, Tony, it is time to head back into the past not a large jump we just got to go back to 2017 but in the fading light yeah. of our gas leak year of 2020 it feels like a very long <laughs> time ago yeah so i got four things to take you back to october of 2017 the four things time capsule the four things are number one on october 1st Former NFL star O.J. Simpson was released from Nevada's Lovelock prison after less than nine years of detention on his 33-year sentence for armed robbery and kidnapping. And he's just messed it up as much as possible ever since. <laughs> like Seemingly. You, like, you would imagine somebody in that situation would, like, just, you know, go live a yeah. quiet life and shy away from any attention. No, no, no. This dude got on Twitter within like hours <laughs> uh -huh. of being let out of jail and was posting stupid shit and like, oh. yeah, got, he's gotten in trouble since all. It's just, you know, I mean, you, you hate to see it, but I don't necessarily have a whole lot of sympathy for the guy. Either, no, so. no, I have zero sympathy for this man. It's just one of those right. things that we've noticed with there's, there's a few personalities in the world that that's just the, like you said, when you get real close to, to having something real bad happen to you and you get away with it, then it's just like, instead of just, <laughs> being better you're like nah fuck it now i'm just gonna go balls to the wall um also in people acting badly in a, what does feel kind of like an opening shot in an event that we're still feeling the ripples of today october 5th the new york times published their investigation into sexual harassment behavior by hollywood producer harvey weinstein yeah so that was getting started up yeah the guy the guy who like his press people have like the gall to like 
oh, he can't go out in public and he can't do that. Oh, yeah? Well, nobody gives a flying fuck, you know? Like, screw him. Yep. It's like, nobody, you don't have any sympathy. Like, do you see that? There was a whole thing about him and his group, like, showed up at some comedy club and, like, a few of, like, the female comedians, like, fucking oh, yeah. Yeah. laid into that. his ass. And they, like, probably caught more flack about that <laughs> than anybody else gave to the fact that this guy had the gall to just like walk into this comedy club you know how dare you not entertain monsters in the crowd uh, so yeah fuck that guy number two october 3rd the united states president donald trump tossed out paper towels like he's chucking merch out at a concert while visiting puerto rico after it had been devastated by hurricane maria he would go on to withhold aid for the island, calling the people and government there lazy, as long extended power outages and road blockages led to way more dead people than was necessary. They still talk about that time. I threw paper towels at them. It was a great day. <laughs> yeah, no, he they, and just, just gave them aid. Now as we've entered the next hurricane season... They just, they just got their aid. Oh, and right ahead of the election. Coincidence. Of course, yeah. There you go. He's a great guy now. Uh, number three, taking a look at movies releasing in American cinemas leading up to tonight's event. We start off on September 29th when a movie that I can't believe it's been out this long because I still haven't gotten around to watching it. Blade Runner 2049 released, making $286 million. Oh, man. You got you to gotta sit in a dark room with that movie <laughs> turned all the way up, man, and just enjoy that thing all i right. love it man i'm i'm also a big ryan gosling fan mm-hmm. and i mean and i and a huge blade you know the original blade runner is oh yeah almost as close to a perfect film as you can be so yeah definitely watch it all right i'll check it out uh also releasing that same weekend because the weird thing about now in the current world is that on this numbers list there are all these foreign movies that are now making millions of dollars uh the chinese flick chasing the dragon made 88 million dollars on this day okay a movie that released in america but i think probably made most of its money overseas because of jackie chan being in a lead role jackie chan and pierce brosnan's action flick the foreigner released making 147 million (laughs) dollars i haven't seen that one that's quite a pair Had not even, I'd completely forgotten that that happened. Uh, Goodbye Christopher Robin released, which was the, I think, other company trying to do a Winnie the Pooh story on based on like the basics idea. I'm not sure. This is a PG movie. Oh, no. The Ewan McGregor movie is really good. Is that the one you're talking about? I don't know if it's Ewan McGregor. I, this is Goodbye oh. Christopher Robin. I don't know what, I've not seen this movie. Have I don't, seen I don't remember it having Good Night in it, but they made a movie called Christopher Robin. Yes, I think that's a different years. movie. I think that is a separate oh. movie. But I'm not 100% okay. on that. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. It only yeah, made nine million, so I'm the, thinking that is probably the case. Yeah, the Ewan McGregor movie is a tearjerker. It's a good one. Nice. Also, the Chinese comedy film Never Say Die made three hundred and thirty-four million dollars in released on Lord. I've never heard of it. Uh, October fifth. Go ahead. I have to imagine like producers in this country have just stopped producing movies in this country. Like I would exclusively be producing. Movies in China, it sounds like. Well, that's, the, I mean, there's <laughs> going to be more of that happening, I'm sure, because there's right, a lot of money yeah. to be made over there. October 5th and 6th, uh, My Little Pony, the movie released, made $70 million. <sighs> Bronies. Woody Woodpecker released, which we've discussed on here after I had discovered the existence of that movie. Um, it made You know what's funny? Like, <laughs> you had talked about, like, oh, how bad it is. And then another friend of ours, Jason, was like, randomly unprovoked like trying to sell its like merits as like <laughs> something he something he got dragged into like watching with his kid he's like ah, it wasn't that bad you know, like and he, as he was saying that i was just thinking about it. no it is 
awful. It's it's very bad. Uh, the Mountain Between Us released made sixty seven million dollars. I never saw that one. And no. then Brawl in Cell Block ninety nine released. It made a couple million dollars, but it was that's, kind of the the start of the the Vince Vaughn Renaissance, I believe. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a, yeah, that's a solid one. Also, the Florida Project released that weekend or that uh, mm. weekend, and I've heard good things of. I've not seen it. The the next week. And the only movie that I'm going to mention from this day, October 13th, Geostorm released and made $227 million. I did not realize how fucking successful that movie was. It's a lot of fun, and it's a terribly dumb movie, but it's, oh, yeah, it's so it much is. fun. It's, is that the, <laughs> the Gerard Butler? Yes, like where he's solving. him and his brother have like designed the fucking satellite array <laughs> of weather... It's- it's just an updated Twister. Is all it is. It's Kinda. the same like premise of Twister, just on like a bigger scale. But with terrorism, there's no Helen Hunt. So there's terrorism involved now. Uh, yeah, oh, of course. Number four, taking a look at the world of popular music in America, topping the Billboard Hot 100 charts. The week of tonight's show was a song in its second week at number one, the thirteenth week on the charts, and I'm pretty sure that uh, possibly right now. Is this artist is currently at number one? She might be close to it. She has been recently. Uh, this one is one of her earlier hits. Cardi B with Bodak Yellow. There you go. She sounds delightful. <laughs> her, her more recent stuff is a lot more entertaining. I'll say that <laughs> for sure. No. Uh, WAP is a lot more fun than uh, Bodak Yellow. <laughs> no, I'll just I'll say this. I'll admit my old manism. That is the first and only Cardi B I've ever heard. <laughs> Wait, what, what you just heard right now? That's 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 all I've ever heard of hers. I am really surprised that, right that the the cultural phenomenon that is wet ass pussy has not hit you yet. Uh, I mean, listen, I've I've seen <laughs> that is a thing. I just okay. it's, I don't you know. You should it, listen it to it. It's, it's an entertainingly funny song. It is honestly mm-hmm. genuinely funny, and it's enter- yeah. you should listen to it. It's, yeah, it's not that I actively you know shy away i just yep. it, it doesn't doesn't cross my path no that that's understandable but uh that now brings us to global wars night three of a four-night tour from new japan and ring of honor as they went to buffalo pittsburgh columbus and then chicago yeah so yeah this is the third stop on that of the weekend uh in the great capital city columbus ohio it's probably, I mean, having now experienced all three cities, at least their entertainment options, uh, extens- not extensively, but extensively enough to get at least a base idea, probably one yeah. of the better ones. It's, it's probably the better one. It's probably the best city in Ohio. There you um, go. But, uh, you know, whatever. It's uh, it, This was a show at Express Live, which is mm-hmm. a concert and entertainment venue that's right in the Arena District of Columbus. It's next door to a main minor league baseball stadium and a block away from the NHL Arena, uh, Nationwide Arena. All right, we're the home of the Blue Jackets. Yes, and if there's any Blue Jackets fans listening and I were to call the Nationwide Arena the Schwide, they would probably hate me forever. 
um, because ah. that has become a, a thing now. Uh, but yeah, the show here was sold out. Tony and I, I don't remember how this show, if this was like one of the earlier ones that we went to. Had we gone to a, an Express Live show? I think maybe we had seen NXT here, if I remember right. I think we'd been to NXT and Ring. I think we'd been to a Ring of Honor before this. I know I'd been there for a Ring of Honor show. Okay. I, went to, I went to one by myself. Before this before as this. well? Okay. And I thought we had gone to one before as well. But if that's the case, right then after. yeah, because I've been to one as well, just before the one you went by yourself. So, mm-hmm. yeah, this was a, a good show, though. I remember being very excited when I heard that they were actually bringing New Japan talent to a show that I could get to very easily, you know? Yeah, well, and you talk about the good old days of Ring of Honor. I mean... Yeah, this thing there. The line was a mile down the damn road. It seemed like mm-hmm. I mean, it was the oh, merchandise the, situation was insane. There the were meet and greet long, long lines for meet and greets. I mean, it was <laughs> it was it was probably the most, it was probably the most well attended. And they're not really an indie, but, you know, a, yeah. an indie like show that I've ever been to. I mean, it was just dense, you know, yeah. I mean, just. As many people as they could be in there were in there, man, and they were eating up all of that. Like, I do think that the last time I went with NXT there, I had seen that they had found a way to add seats to the the stage, I feel like. And so that's Uh. the only thing that that maybe you could have added more people into this building. But that's it. Like, because you're like you were saying, it was all the seats were filled. And if you've ever been to this place, there's also all this room that they have standing room only seats. Generally, that's just people that bought seats and are standing up to eat their pizza. But this right. show, it was actually just stacked full of like three rows of people just standing around watching the show. Well, and because I mean, you know, there, there's situations. I mean, you got someone like Minoru Suzuki, who I think they said is like what the third time he'd ever even fought in the U.S. Yeah. Uh, you know, Kenny Omega was about as hot as Kenny Omega could be around this time, oh, and 2017 is his like is isn't that his like seven star year or whatever or the six star year? Because when I was looking yeah, at the the highest rated matches, because uh, this tour the next night would actually get one of uh, like the top 20 matches from Dave Meltzer of the year by the end of the year. With oh, really? Will Ospreay and uh, who was it? Let me see if I found it here. Um, oh, yeah. Flip um, Gordon and Will Ospreay had a 4.5 match yeah, the next right. night. But I didn't. I couldn't find any ratings for any other nights or any other that matches. But <laughs> I know Omega yeah. fights Yoshihashi the next night. You know, that's a barn burner. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. But no, it's it's exciting when you see those big names. I'm sure that was ringing people. But as you said, the elite are kind of at their not it's not, not to their peak yet because we're not quite to all in. But they're definitely gaining a lot of momentum right now. Yes, and creating all kinds of problems for a traditional wrestling fan's brain at the same time, multiple times. But yeah, I'll be mad about more of that stuff later. But no, yeah, this is. <laughs> They're clicking on all cylinders. Cody's the world champ. You know, Bucks are, I mean, it's, it's rolling. Paige is freshly kind of in the bullet club at this point. Yeah. And we're just to the point where the WWE has now acknowledged them with the cease and desist on the two suite, which was a big moment for them, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Flips kind of just started to gain some momentum in, in, uh, you know, within the company. Best friends literally formed (laughs) within, a few months of this, nice. I mean, you know, this, this is, you know, they were, cause like they, they talk about it a little bit, but Chuck Taylor originally came in as a surprise partner to Rocky Romero and Trent mm-hmm. for a six man tag. And then best friends were formed and the rest is history. You know, just another thing ring of honor did that these guys ran out the door with. <laughs> 
Well, I'm I'm real excited that the best friends are continuing at this point. But oh yeah, no, I'm not upset about I, that at all. We didn't even talk about in the current wrestling the fact that they had a uh, a Photoshop joke on AEW <laughs> that I didn't get mad about because they then had T-shirts of. If, if they wouldn't yep. have had the T-shirts, I would have been like, that was bullshit. They shouldn't have done that. But yep. with the T-shirts get and everything else, I liked it. Anyway, get your FTR dressed like a hot dog shirt. <laughs> but yeah, so. This DVD that we're watching is just a straight rip of the pay-per-view, including the warnings yeah. about bad transmission intermission beforehand uh-huh. that you'll be fined by the FBI. <laughs> Which, you know, hey, look, I like the authentic feel of it all. It, it yeah. brings it all home. I, I enjoyed the, the ROH opening where they kind of like showed some of the history and the names that have come mm-hmm. through here that are generally all in WWE at that point, um, ending with Cody and the belt. And then they get the actual open for the show, which is more about what's actually going to be on this episode. But it's all set to modern epic number 32 on their library of music that they have. So it's not that great. <laughs> no, I, I don't know if originally it would have been much different. For, I know. am curious on what the original music on all this is, because all the New Japan guys will have music covered up. All by... of it. Yeah, it ruins it. <laughs> like, like what? It's like, how? How does that shit happen? You would think when you have a show that is co-produced by another company, or at least in name uh, brand, that you would be able to then extend the rights to the production of it, to yeah. at least because you know it was there live. We listened to that music, but <laughs> right. it's just not on the DVD. So yeah, so yeah, that's a little bit uh, frustrating as usual. But uh, we have the commentary team of Ian Riccaboni and Colt Cabana. Boom boom. That's right, Mister Boom Boom. Uh, we're promised a double main event. Which DP? What's that mean? No main event. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. It is. It's Cody and Kushida for the championship, but it's like it's yep. one of those things when you then have the six man match with the people that are involved. It's you. You can't put that before anything unless it's like no. going to the intermission. Like that would be the only place right. that I could see them putting this match that would have made any sense other than where they put it. Absolutely, but yeah, we're gonna have a uh, Cody versus Kushida, as he said, for the Ring of Honor Championship. And then best friends teaming with Flip Gordon to take on the elite Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. So, yeah. And good stuff. As is tradition with Ring of Honor, we get right to the action. We go straight to match number one. It is the addiction, Frankie Kazarian and Christopher Daniels Ugh. teaming up to battle Search and Destroy. It's Jay White on his uh, trip abroad Excursion. from Japan and Jonathan Gresham, the octopus. Uh, kind of a little bit of, I think, an early. Is this early appearance, Jonathan Gresham in ROH? It feels a little earlier than... I feel. He feels so much more established I mean, at this point than he does here. Well, I mean, yeah. No, he's obviously far more established at this point. He was, he'd was. he been around, because even here in 2017, he's 29 years old. Like, he'd been around, but this was definitely when they were starting to kind of shine a light on him a yeah. lot more, you know, more prominently. So, Gotcha. So Yeah, no, how, how great is this to see? I mean, again, when you're just talking about how much things can change in three years, you've got Daniels and Kazarian... Yeah. You know, doing the addiction deal. And then you've got Jay White, who is arguably the damn near top guy in all of New Japan Pro Wrestling. He's having a great run through the G1 so far, as far as I've gotten yeah. through. And then, like you mentioned, and Gresham is, you know, probably regarded as one of the greatest technical wrestlers in the world today. And, you know, mm-hmm. current one half of the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions. So. Yeah, and, and of course, you know, Christopher Daniels and Kaz had done the bad influence thing in TNA just before they came here. Oh, yeah. um, so this is kind of an established role that they've had. Uh, but apparently they've been baby faces in this company up until very recently, and they have changed their minds and have decided, fuck everybody here. 
We don't like yeah. the fans, and the fans are in a conspiracy against us, we're told. Um, but the addiction grab a microphone, Kaz does, uh, and he says that, well, just before he can talk, Ian Riccoboni fills us in that last night they decided the way that they were going to try to tear down ROH, because that they're trying to destroy the company like all right. heel factions do. <laughs> yeah. The way they were yeah, going to do that be- was by not wrestling and then also not getting paid because they didn't wrestle. They just decided not to have their match. Yeah, I'm not sure how that all worked out, but as a fan, when I hear that I was supposed to have Daniels and Kazarian against best friends... And then I just didn't get that. I I, I wonder how they yeah. like, remedied that with the audience. But yeah, I don't know exactly. Yeah, so they're on a tear. They're you know going to break this whole damn thing down and then be unemployed. I guess that's what people never think about the end game. There. Um, yeah. Yeah. They, and they don't want to be cheered because that's yeah, the that's thing about being. It's tough to be an established veteran in like the independent wrestling world and also try to be like a heel because when you're going to these cities that don't get to see you very often mm-hmm. it's like well i don't want to boo kazarian and daniels like yeah i'm really excited to see these guys so it, <laughs> it you gotta really work hard and i'll give these guys credit because like they make it very clear as often as they can to be like no do, no do not yeah. we don't want to hear it stop you know all that so because these guys also probably figured like you had said they've been baby faces they're probably like hmm nobody gets cheered more than the young bucks yeah. So why even bother? Like it'd yep. be much you're probably smarter financially to just work against the bus. You know? <laughs> so Kaz says, you know, I see all these bullet club t-shirts in the crowd and you know, we saw them all outside. And he says, any of you bullet club fans, you meet us in the parking lot after the show. We'll <laughs> kick your asses. We don't like the bullet club. <laughs> Again, that's about as, Good, easy a heat as you can yeah. get in Ring of Honor at this time. And then he ends his promo by saying, eat a diz. And hands the microphone off to Kazari, or yeah. Christopher Daniels. And Ian was very offended by that. Ian Riccoboni <laughs> was aghast at the diz line. I, um, I do really enjoy straight man Ian Riccoboni. I know we talked about him on All In being great, but oh, here yeah. he's he's really good. I love his interaction with Colt Cabana. Yeah. A little bit less with BJ Whitmer, but uh, it's uh, oh, yeah. I do like Ian Riccoboni a lot. Well, yeah, there's everything. It's, you know, you're supposed to like everything less about BJ Whitmer when it comes to that. Um, no, Ian's great. He's outstanding. Um, you know, I've been, it's been nice that Ring of Honor is back. You know, they've had new TV in the last few yeah. weeks. That their pure wrestling tournament's been on, and it's just been great to hear him again. He's, you know, top of his game. So, yeah, absolutely one of the best out there. And seems like one of the absolute best people in the world, so. Christopher Daniels begins his side of the promo by yelling at a fan, calling him a colostomy bag, and then yeah, getting mad gross. when the fans start cheering their history and efforts when they're talking about their abilities. <laughs> I know. It, it's like, I mean, I know they know what they're doing. Like, he yeah. didn't say that and be like, oh, shit, now they're cheering. But it's still like, well, yeah, you're going out there and you're saying, like, <laughs> things that we agree with. We're like, yes, yeah, dude, you were... Night one, you were here, like you, yeah, absolutely, you helped build this place. So it's just funny how he's like, no, no, do not support me, though. I'm not asking for your support. <laughs> but he does say the Bucks haven't beaten us, so cheer for them all you want. We don't care. And then delivers the line that I was what I loved this team so much for was the you do have permission to worship us now, and uh, <laughs> that's kind of it. They they make sure that cabana still isn't sure that they're going to actually be in the match by the way as soon as this promo ends he's like i don't are they still going to actually wrestle tonight or are they done right (laughs) yeah yeah machine guns have been ducking them so they're going to fight the other half of search and destroy and out comes jonathan gresham and jay white search and destroy is a larger group than just these two then they're yeah these two and i did not know that 
Yeah, it's these two and Shelly and Saban. Mm. Interesting foursome, but all right. Yeah, because that was why, and I think some of it had to do with injuries. Because I remember when I saw Ring of Honor at the, in, in, in Indianapolis, I think it was like Shelly and Jay White teamed up at some point. Oh, okay. I remember you saying something about those two teaming yeah, up. Yeah, because I, I know I saw Jay It was just funny. I saw Hiromu Takahashi and Jay White in a fairgrounds building. So. <laughs> kind of cool. That is cool. Um, no honor code, which I always kind of think the the real established vets should like that should matter. You know what I mean? Like no yeah, matter how not heelish these guys, you are, they don't care about anything now. That's I know, but no matter how heelish you are, I feel like someone like Christopher Daniels that did <laughs> help build the place, you know, maybe should care about that. Yeah, I wouldn't mind you know maybe have Daniels do it and Kaz can right eat a doos and walk back to the corner. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, yeah, Kaz, Kazarian and Jonathan Gresham were starting things off. Fast-paced action here. It's really amazing to see Daniels and Kazarian, you know, hang with someone like Gresham, who is, you know, at the top of his game. Uh, Snapmare, they exchanged headlocks. Uh, you know, roll-ups ex- are exchanged. Kazarian would sidestep a drop-down, which I like that. I've mm-hmm. never, <laughs> I've never seen anybody do that. They're like, <laughs> I'm just not going to jump over you. Like, that's great. Um, and then they have a standoff uh, and Colt. I was like, geez, Cabana, like, take it easy over there. He's like, well, hopefully these guys don't forget that they have tag team partners. And I'm like, well, they'll, <laughs> they'll tag out when they want. And they literally like they did tag out. It's like, you know, that that whole that all that seemed like, you know, a thing they wanted to do, you know? Uh, I know. I kind of like the because the, I felt like the end of it, they kind of lost track a little bit. I don't know. They, they might like they, have. They, they, they yeah. you know, they kind of had a little bit of miscommunication for a second, and so yeah. the, the ending, just kind of staring at each other, it felt like, all right, just tag out, and we'll just you know keep going. And I think that's what Colt was trying to point out because he says like that's the great thing about tag matches. If something's not working, you just tag in your partner. But these two, it seems like they're not even realizing they do have a partner out there. But. That's a good. That's a good point. But yeah, Cabana also <laughs> says that Kaz and Daniels. He's like they they won't admit it, but he's like they should like these two. He's like these two guys are going out there grinding away, trying to establish their names, just like these guys right. did, and they're sitting here talking shit about search and destroy. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about wrestling heels, Colt. There's you can't be reasonable because then <laughs> there'd just be you know no logic in your thinking. Um, oh, but Daniels I, comes in hot. Yep. I really would like to see the match from. The, this is why the, the the great thing about the way they do this is that they are constantly talking up the shows just the night before or the night before that, and it makes me want to go online and da- you know pay whatever money for a month of it to watch. Yeah. I want to see this instant classic they're discussing between Jay White and Jay Lethal. Like That match sounds like it'd be really good. <laughs> like I would like yeah, to no, see that. No, I'd imagine that match would be really good. I've never got to watch the Yano Cabana match from Chicago the next night. Yeah, that would be good to see for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. But anyway, we're not talking about those shows. We're talking about this show. Um, <laughs> Christopher Daniels gets the hot tag. Uh, double team drop kick in the corner. It's not going well for him so far. Um, Rick Abani with the Daft Punk joke as the fans are chanting one more time. And he says, oh, I didn't know there were so many Daft Punk fans here in the crowd. And then Colt Cabana was with a great dry wit line says, they just want to celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well- way to go, you two. The the thing about the one more time, so they do the one more time thing, and then the the like they had already moved on in the match, but then they're yeah. like, okay, yeah, I guess we'll do the one more time. So then, like Jay White, in full view of the ref, is like grabbing the guy's dead weight and pulling him up in the corner, like to get him into position, and then holding right. him there for Gresham. It's like, I, I don't know why the referee's allowing this, but okay. Right. Yeah. 
Well, you know, things get a little loose around here. I don't know if it was Paul Turner in this match or not. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, but anyway, the search and destroy, things are going pretty well for them so far, but um, yeah. the tide would turn eventually. Well, Daniels gets a really good counter at one point, and, like, after he counters to, you know, kind of get his safety, he does a really nice little just roll into the corner for his tag, and, you know, it's one of those things that have, he's a veteran, he's been doing it for so long that... It was just so smooth. Oh, yeah. It looked great. Uh, but Jay White is able to fight off both of them. Colt Cabana calls him the new era jumping Jim Brunzel, which made me laugh hysterically that that is like a compliment from Colt Cabana here. <laughs> it's a hell of a dropkick he's got there, man. <laughs> uh, Gresham, though, tags in and begins riding piggyback on Jay White, who tries to sent on Kaz, but he can't get his front foot up, trips over him, and just falls on him. So it's like, it still works in the sense that they just dropped their weight onto the man. But even Colt Cabana's like, yeah, you got you got to remember that when you have 200 pounds on you, it's harder to jump. Like, it's <laughs> it's not as easy as it looks, folks. No, that's a good point. And I mean, yeah, I did think that it was, uh, it was ambitious. I thought it was, you know. It was a cool idea, yeah. Yeah, it was a cool idea. It just didn't quite work out. Um, so yeah, uh, John sits up top. Kazarian would uh, kick Gresham to the floor. White is taken out by Daniels on the outside. Um, he tags in officially, and they begin trading kicks on Gresham. Uh, Daniels beats Gresham down in the corner, and they make quick tags. And I mean very quick tags as they just trade, take turns, laying the boots to Gresham in the corner. Oh, it's uh, the unicorn stampede as the crowd even begins doing the New Day Rocks clap, which I loved Christopher Daniels just turn and look at the crowd and just like really <laughs> i know he's like, like we've probably off, been guys. doing this before those guys started doing it but okay right or maybe just don't bring it up either way you bunch Ugh. of goobers i mean uh, I'm, yeah. I'm sure i was clapping along at that one the uh, the unicorn <laughs> stampede was a big moment in 2017 it had finally gotten into the video game so that's true that's you're not wrong about that uh yeah daniels tags back in we get to knee to the back of gresham's neck kind of in submission hold as we're taking a bit of a break here uh, we get a slam from the fallen angel on Gresham, and then Kazarian hits a guillotine leg drop off the second rope. Daniels follows that up immediately with a springboard moonsault. Nice sequence there again by the veterans. This, um, and then they just go back and forth forever. Yeah, that's for for fucking forever. No five count, no admonition <laughs> from the referee. This, like you said, no. they get real loose here. Um, but yeah, it's Kaz hitting springboard guillotine leg drops and Daniels hitting springboard moonsaults, and they do three of them each. And I was like, this is insane. <laughs> Yeah, and absolutely. Then, no, it was. Um, they go to take to pin, make a pinfall, and Jay White is just in the ring, just like standing there, <laughs> waiting for them to start pinning them. And then as soon as they go to pin Gresham, he pushes them off. And Cabana <laughs> even says, like, he calls it a rookie move by the veterans that they didn't yeah. get Jay out of the ring. No, yeah, he's he's probably not wrong there. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, so Jay White with the leapfrog and a back elbow, then European uppercuts for both guys. He throws Daniels and onto Kaz in the corner. We get a Sambo suplex by White. He tags in Gresham, who hits a 450 splash, but Daniels is able to break up the pin and just fights Gresham and like gets no upsetness from the ref. He comes in and just stays in the ring. Doesn't matter. Daniels hits an inverted curb stop on Gresham and leaps onto White on the floor. Yeah, nice job, you know. There by the veteran Christopher Daniels. Uh, we get a cutter from Kaz for two. In comes the fallen angel. He accidentally clotheslines Kazarian. Then Gresham hits an enziguri on Daniels. Addiction, though, with a double-team powerbomb neckbreaker combo, only manages a two-count. Jay White would drag Gresham to his corner and make the tag. 
veteran move there. He fights mm-hmm. uh, Daniels and Kazarian. Backdrop from Kaz into a gut buster from Daniels, though, is enough to pick up the victory for the addiction. Your winners, Kazarian and Christopher Daniels. Yeah, and because so. their tag team name is The Addiction, they've named their finishing move the Celebrity Rehab, because that's still a reference that makes sense in 2017. <laughs> <laughs> Barely. I was like, guys, no one's watching VH1 anymore. Give it up. Uh, right. Yeah, no, I thought this was a really good opening match. Like, these guys mm-hmm. are, yeah, this is a really good match. I liked it a whole lot. Oh, absolutely. I mean, these are four amazing workers that are probably you know better today than they were even at this point, so you, you'd like to see it. Although, I will say the referee allowed the addiction to wrestle two versus one for the last, like, two minutes of this match. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just Jay White going up against him, but all right. Uh, it went about, you know, 12 minutes. Uh, so one thing I don't get about the production I, I have in my notes here, I get that it's a shoestring budget, but we couldn't get, like, one light specific for the announcers. They're both in, like, hard downward directional lighting yeah. that's casting dark shadows Colt, if he doesn't lean forward, is in half shadow on his face yeah. the entire time. It just is not a great looking shot. Well, and they've they've improved that. Like nowadays, yeah. it's you know a much more standard two okay. shot like level with them. Yeah, this one they have somebody shooting off their shoulder <laughs> up at these guys who are sitting at like a storage crate. It's not even a table. Mm-hmm. It's just been like unfolded into a desk. Yeah. Right. So yeah, no, not the great, not the best thing there. But yeah, Colt and Ian would discuss uh, Mark Briscoe not being here tonight as he hurt his elbow the night before, so he won't mm-hmm. be able to be the tag team partner of Kenny King tonight. Yeah, and just as they're telling us this, Kenny King's music hits, and here comes the TV champion as he comes to the ring, slapping hands with the audience members. We're told he was supposed to team with Mark Briscoe, as you said. Kenny King gives a generic pandering babyface promo saying he knows all Buckeyes are strong, tough, and loyal. And I was like, Jesus Christ, really? Like, I don't remember. I remembered the are there Buckeyes in the house being a, a kind of late, but the, the further on, I was like, that's, you're pandering so hard, man. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, gotta do what you gotta do. But he's typically a heel, so he's probably just trying to be nice for once. They're strong and loyal, just like his teammates, but his teammate isn't able to be here. Uh, he says he's supposed to wrestle the Bullet Club B team of Marty Gennetti or Marty Skrull and Adam Page and likens them to Horace Hogan and Vincent. That's I mean, <laughs> listen, if I was going to like mention like the Marty and Page NWO equivalents, I wouldn't quite go that far down the list. Yeah, it's like a more of a Lex Luger level, mm, I feel. Well, like. listen, we're not doing Wolfpack, but I would <laughs> I would probably go like Marty is, I could at best he's six probably. Okay. Just as far as like the pecking order, or yeah. like where he might be, and then Paige, and he is new, and the NWO never built or promoted a <laughs> new superstar. They never built anyone, yeah. So I would have to go with I guess Buff Bagwell would be like the <laughs> that's that's like the youngest like yeah. upstart that they ever brought into to the NWO to try to help out. But uh, yeah, they're maybe Buff Bagwell and six. You know? All right, all right. Let's not, let's not be downright offensive here. <laughs> oh man! So King says he doesn't care though. He he'll face them two versus one, or you know one versus one, whatever. He makes a quote from a rapper, and then here comes Marty Skrull. And the fans are chanting party Marty at him. And Marty says, that's so cute. Well, at least they're doing something like that antagonizes the heel in this company. Cause 
this is the beginning of what is a problem in <laughs> Ring of Honor at this time. Well, every every baby face is feuding with the Bullet Club. Yeah. Problem is, is that the fans like everybody in the Bullet Club more than they like anybody that isn't in the Bullet Club. <laughs> yes. So it it just it makes a lot of these segments kind of difficult. <laughs> yeah, this one a little bit less, like you said. This one this went pretty one. well because Marty is at the top of his like cartoon character game here. Mm-hmm. Like he is way over the top. Oh yeah. He points out, you know, you can't call us the B team. He's like, look at all these villain club shirts and all these hangman page shirts. I was like, there probably weren't that many hangman page shirts at that point. I did he have a shirt at that point? <laughs> <laughs> uh but they make fun of Kenny King being on The Bachelor. He says you couldn't even get a date on a TV show. I think it was The Bachelorette. Oh, the Bachelorette. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I think because I think Cause he, got he wasn't kicked the off the star of The Bachelor. Yeah. No, I think he and I think he got eliminated before he ever got to go on a one-on-one date. Is also what they made gotcha. reference in. So. And Marty says you're lame and no one likes you. This <laughs> <laughs> promo which made me laugh. Uh. Yeah. He's using. The clean, clean language, uh, evil heel promos here from Marty. Uh, yeah, and it's yeah. So he tells yeah nobody wants to team with him, and he can even team with the commentator if you want. And the crowd <laughs> yeah. immediately begins chanting, of course, for Colt Cabana, oh, which yeah. was awesome. It was Dude. you know this was a cool moment when you're there for live. So such a reaction. I I enjoyed that as well. Mm-hmm. But Marty, and, now, and hearing and hearing the commentary side of it is kind of funny too because yes, Ian's very like at the top on the top of his game selling this stuff too. Oh, Ian wants Colt to do it so bad, and Marty, as the fans are chanting Colt, 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 yells, "Pick Ian, pick Ian Riccoboni." Yeah, I <laughs> mean yeah. Ian, he should have been like, "Hell, pick BJ Whitmer." Um, no, but um, so of course Cabana can't decline this opportunity and accepts the offer. To be Kenny King's tag team partner tonight. I, there's, I don't know. There's something about Colt Cabana, like from like post when he was doing this commentary role. Like this point on, I, I, I love this Colt Cabana character. Just anytime he gets a chance to talk on the mic, he always makes mm-hmm. the best of it. Um, yep. I love the little dustyisms he throws in with. I would love to be your partner tonight, like that stuff, yeah. and doing the dusty, you know, walk and that it's, sort of shit. It's. I mean, you know, listen, he's got plenty of years to do it, but, you know, it, it's, I liked him so much in this commentary role, you know, like mm-hmm. I know he wanted, he's got, he wants to wrestle more and that was yeah. what kind of led to the decision that he made, but it's like, man, he was just so good at this. That's the problem. For Ring of Honor, they have a pretty good like record of commentary teams and commentators. Problem is, is that as soon as you're like, oh, wow, they're really good at what they do, they're gone and they're working somewhere else <laughs> doing the same thing. So. It'll probably happen to Ian in the near future. I enjoyed Colt placing his headset on top of Ian's headset as he left the announce table. Um, And then we get a promo for ROHwrestling.com. Like, you can relive Adam Cole's third title reign. Right. (laughs) I just love that Ian was like, don't go away. I'm like, where would I I go, Ian? I'm watching a DVD or I'm watching it on pay-per-view. I'm (laughs) not going anywhere either way. You don't got to worry about that. What do you um, think of the Kingdom promo here for their T-shirts? I mean, it is what it is. You watch <laughs> this promo, and then you'll understand why 2019 went as well as it went. I mean, yeah, yep, pretty much. It, it's always it's, just it's, seeing this here, though. Even stood out even more of like, how did they even put these three together? It is the weirdest fucking team. It's a weird team, that's definitely for sure. I think 
they'll all probably be better off. Well, I don't know about TKO Ryan. I'm not sure what his future is right now. But I think Vincent and Matt Taven are both going to be far better off just doing yeah. something away from one another and not mm-hmm. being a part of the kingdom. Like, listen, I'm not going to sit here and say that I don't, you know, that I'm upset that they gave Matt Taven that opportunity. But I do think it's pretty clear that, you know, it, it, he should wasn't continue that it sh- probably shouldn't have happened. <laughs> yeah. No, you're not wrong there. Um, but yeah, so we get the kingdom promo for their t-shirt. Don't be a Melvin, wear our shirt. Um, yeah. and, uh, then we go to match two. Match number two. It's a special ring of honor versus new Japan pro wrestling matchup. It's the time bomb. Hiromu Takahashi along with Daryl taking on Jay lethal, the greatest first generation wrestler of all time, <laughs> which is, such a good like gimmick with everyone talking about second and third generation in the WWE. Right. It's so great that he's just the first generation. I'm surprised nobody else has like stolen that. It's a pretty good stick there. Definitely. Uh, so yeah, like you said, Hiromu has Daryl with him. The 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 cat stuffed <sighs> animal that just Listen. lit the internet on fire. Wrestling fans, you just they fall a little too hard. What's that? They love spec- specifics and details and weird little things that don't necessarily make sense at first. But as long as you're inside and know, then you know. Right. Daryl, like this, everybody was a little too excited for Daryl. Yeah. Like there was a, it was like, there's a point where it's like, oh, it's, that's funny. He's got a stuffed cat with him. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, Jesus, people. Like, yeah. I think you would rather watch like Daryl have a match and maybe even win at this point. Like, they just, <laughs> they love this stuffed cat so much, man. Oh uh, yeah, definitely. Should have had a joint. Should have had a joint bullet club. So we're just coming off of the two-year reign of Lethal, holding one or both of the world and television titles in this company. It, it was simultaneous for a long time. And Ian calls him the franchise of ROH. And uh, this one is, you know, it's it's a hot start here. The crowd's really excited for this match. There's dueling chants of "Let's go, Lethal" and Takahashi. Um, I love the way that Takahashi like plays with the crowd. You know, obviously, he feels comfortable here, being that he had done the excursion very shortly just mm-hmm. before this. But I know. Um, well, that's what's so interesting too is like literally a year prior to this, these guys had a match, and it was a much different circumstance. You know, yeah, this was he was whatever the hell his name was when he was over here. I always want to go with Evil's name for some reason, but no, yeah, Evil was Watanabe, Taki Watanabe. Hiromu Takahashi was, I was like, I always want to say Tamagotchi. I know it wasn't okay. Tamagotchi. All right. <laughs> but it something was something, like God, I can't remember. It was something along those lines, though. So. Okay. But yeah, so he's, you know, he's, he's here, but the crowd is really into Hiromu Takahashi. Um, Lethal says, let's see what you got. Uh, big time chop battle back and forth right off the top here. Like, they get into this oh, yeah. very quickly. And Daryl's your special guest timekeeper. I forgot That'd about that. <laughs> Oh, oh boy! I will say though, you know, like it, it were, as I was watching the beginning of this, Jr. just began speaking in my mind like Yoda speaking to Luke from Beyond the Grave, where he's just Takahashi isn't quick; he's sudden, and it was just like he's just he's so goddamn like it's just he goes from standing perfectly still to like just flying across the ring at the guy so fast. Mm-hmm. No, he is he's almost you know he almost appears unpredictable yes. at times. You know he is yeah. A conundrum, that's for sure. That's why he's so much fun to watch. Um, a drop kick to the knee and then to the face from Hiromu after the ch- uh, these men slapped the hell out of their chest. Uh, lethal on the apron hits a drop kick. 
Um, Hiromu pulls Jay to the outside, though, um, but he just slides right back in. Like, it was just like he did it, but it didn't lead to anything. <laughs> um, Hiromu is this to the floor again, and this time Jay hit the suicide dive. This match, I did notice upon watching, like, with the finer tooth, like, I think there's a couple of these. I think these are miscommunications. Yeah, where they, like, thought they were going to start something and the other guy didn't realize it or something. Yeah, I think I think it's probably, like, the language breakdown or something, because there's just a couple times where it's like, oh, they do something and it kind of seems like it didn't go right or it didn't happen at all, and then, ha- and then like, this was one of those where they just go right back to the outside again, and then this time, you know, he hits the suicide dive, so. Yeah. It didn't, it's still a great match, but I just noticed that. Definitely. Um, we get a little interesting sequence here where Hiromu whips Lethal into the cement side of the barricades. If you've never watched Express Live shows, there's two sides with regular barricades, and then there's a permanent barricade along the side that's like opposite the stage where the mm-hmm. second level of the crowd usually is for the concerts. Um, and so, yeah, that one obviously doesn't move nearly as much as the other barricades when you throw people into it. So wanted to mention that. Um, but yeah, he uh, Lethal, able to catch himself turns around to chase Takahashi. Uh, Takahashi runs around the ring and then into the ring. He uses this time to bounce off the ropes just as Lethal gets onto the apron and he dives over top of him. Sunset flip power bombs Jay Lethal onto the goddamn floor. And man, the sound on this show is not nearly as good as it was live. Like that thud, uh, I still remember how that hurt. That, how that th- I, how that s- sounded. I didn't think he was going to be okay after that. I was it was nasty. Like you said, to hear that live, I couldn't believe he got up and wrestled another, you know, 10 or 15 minutes. Oh, the fans go nuts though, man. This was such a huge spot early in this show. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, this would be the second world champion that Hiromu would have beaten over the course of the war of the world's tour as he defeated Christopher Daniels in singles action. Nice. Um, and Ian, I think Hiromu may have even thought Jay was hurt because Ian brings up on commentary, but he's just like, why doesn't he go get Jay and mm-hmm. roll him in the ring and pin him? Because he does that sunset bomb, and then we just kind of hang out. Yeah, for... well, like, Lethal's, you know, grabbing at his head. I don't know if he's just selling it or, you know, what. Right, that's but... what I mean. I think, yeah, I think Hiromu may have thought it was legit, or he maybe, you know, what just wanted to make sure or something. Yeah, and, you know, Hiromu goes in the ring. We let head referee and secret owner Todd Sinclair begin the count. Uh, in Ring of Honor at this time, I don't know if they still do or if what, but they have a 20 count, so Lethal gets in at 18. Uh, but then he crawls right back to the floor to kind of get away from Hiromu, and that's when I was like, maybe he is hurt? Uh, but Hiromu right. whips Lethal at the barricade. He goes in ribs first, so again, I was like, maybe he's trying to just make sure his head's okay for a minute because um, yeah. he's continuing to sell and hold the head. As the fans begin chanting, we want Daryl, we want Daryl, we want Daryl. This is when wrestling crowds really get under my skin. This because first this isn't one, go ahead. what's that? Say so this, this isn't some this isn't some throwaway six to eight man tag. Yeah, you know this isn't some comedy match. This that guy just took a sunset power bomb on the concrete floor, <laughs> and you guys are like, we want to, you know you want to see the fucking stuffed animal. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. Listen, I'm I'm not trying this, to be a hater. It was just. I always it always comes across. I try to, like I put myself in that in their mind, and I just feel like I would I would be offended. You know what I mean? Like it would kind of rub me the wrong way. Gotcha. If I was at least if I was Jay Lethal, who no, really yeah, doesn't the, care. The, the timing of it is odd in this match. Like yeah, you that, would have thought to have, and maybe it's just because they've went so quickly to this point. It, maybe they right. would have had that. There just wasn't a chance for the a chance for them to get that chant out yet. 
Right. Uh, yeah, but like, Hiromu hears the chant and goes, all right, oh, yeah. and goes and yeah. grabs Daryl, comes in the ring, cracks Lethal in the head with it, which if you're worried about the guy's head, this is the perfect time to use a stuffed animal, <laughs> I guess. That's true. Yeah, that's not a bad idea at all. Yes, Jay sells the stuffed animal shot to the head. Um, and then we get a holy shit chant from the crowd. Yeah. Uh, Hiromu then with the head scissor on the mat, you know, cutting off the air of Jay Lethal. Hiromu then sat Jay on, um, I'm sorry, sat Jay on top after some chops. Lethal, though, fights Hiromu down to the mat, but misses Hiromu while coming off the ropes. He then caught him, though, with the lethal combination. Mm-hmm. The backbreaker into the uh, flatliner. I- I love this sequence where he misses the dive and then like yeah. on Hiromu coming off the ropes catches him real quick because I Jay Lethal's vocals during that. I don't know if you listen to it, but like as soon as he gets a hold of him for that back when he gets him backwards, you just hear him go ha ha. <laughs> he just like yeah. it's the injection or the, the whatever it's called combination. And I was yeah, just like that was awesome. I just I no, love that little quick ha ha in there. No, great stuff there and a uh, great bit of information from uh Rickabani, as we find, I found out that the head-to-head matchup between New Japan and Ring of Honor at this point was fifty-three, forty-nine, and one. Wow! So, in the long, yeah, standing <laughs> Ring of Honor New Japan, I was like, "Where does that record come yeah. from?" Like, I, I was also kind of shocked at how like close the record was. Yeah, for if you when you have that many matches, it's hard to keep it close. You would think, but so, so yeah, that's just over a hundred matches they've had. So after the inje- or the combination, Takahashi gets up. He begins slapping the face of Lethal. Lethal fires back with big-time chops to the chest, and they just start chopping the shit out of each other. Like re- like earlier, it was, you know, the regular chops. Now they're doing the, like, overhand downward oh, onto the yeah. chest chops, just trying to make oh, yeah. their other guy's chest as red as fucking possible. <laughs> no, these guys do. They beat the hell out of each other. Um, and he seemed... Jay- Lethal seems to have won the exchange. Hiromu, though, comes back with a super kick after hitting a drop toll hold that sent Lethal into the second rope. Takahashi then hits a falcon arrow, but only gets a near fall. Excalibur would be very upset about that. Uh, Lethal then hits a roll-through torture rack, which I've never seen anybody do, and I've never seen anybody do since. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we had him, like, on his shoulders, torture rack style, and then just did a front flip. I was like, holy shit, that was pretty awesome. Yeah, it's it's basically it's you know with Kenny's got the guy inverted so that they land on their back. Right. But this way they land on right. their stomach. You'd think that that would look way more brutal. So why doesn't people do that? It must be yeah, it has to be risky probably because it did look awesome. But uh, but Hiromu would then block the attempt from Lethal, and uh, but Jay kind of catches the boot and doesn't necessarily get hit by it and locks a figure four on, which I thought was pretty mm. awesome. Oh yeah. And this is when I really started to dislike the crowd. Because this is when I felt like the Daryl thing yes. went too far. Because as they're in the figure yes. four and Hiromu is selling it, the fans chant, Daryl, help him. Daryl, help yeah. him. I was like, that's a fucking dumb chant. And then Hiromu <laughs> gets to the ropes after a while. And then the fans chant, thank you, Daryl. And I just like, can we fucking pay attention to this goddamn match I, these guys are having in the ring? It's, I, I just don't want to be, I don't want to be any meaner about it. Um, Jay <laughs> Lethal attacks the knee and then goes back to the figure four, but Hiromu rolls him up. It doesn't get three. Hiromu then catches a lethal injection, uh, you know, yeah. attempt and delivers a German suplex, showing off his strength. Uh, Dude, that know. was awesome. And then the men lock eyes and we get another chop fest. Yeah. 
Yeah, Hiromu's selling the knee from the figure four, and like you said, the chop battle gets underway here. Both men delivering strikes. Uh, afterwards, Takahashi hits a Hurricane Rana and locks on the D-choke, which I sent Tony the video of uh, Hiromu learning about what I, folks in American and English worlds think the, the D thing is. That- I just love like how authentic he seems in that video. Like oh, yeah. he's just very like, oh no! Like I, I had no idea. You know what I mean? It's just I don't know. There's just something about the way he sells it that really cracks me up. Oh, it's good stuff. We'll uh, we'll have that linked in the uh, show notes if you want to check that out. But uh, Lethal is able to get to the ropes out of the D choke, and he gets a foot on it to force the break. Hiromu begs Lethal to get up, tries for the time bomb, but Lethal counters into a roll up for two. He then tries to go for a lethal injection, but Hiromu hits a sleeper, uh, but lethal uses the cutter to get free from that, hits the lethal injection, and pins Hiromu Takahashi. One, two, three. Your winner, Jay Lethal. Yeah. Uh, really, really, really solid stuff here from these guys. Uh, an awesome singles match. Uh, you know, just damn good stuff. Two guys that, you know, I don't think had worked together a whole lot, obviously, and um, I thought it went together really well. Oh yeah, this is probably my favorite match of the night. Being there live, it was just I didn't expect it early in the show to be such a good match. I was expecting more of just, you know, a quick sort of a thing just to kind of be an, you know, exhibition basically right. before the intermission. But Yeah. Yeah, they they went out there, they went nuts and that that sunset flip power bomb was like the kind of the the tone setter I felt like for the match uh and it really kind of brought everybody into the the show even more. Absolutely. Yeah, people were hot after this match for sure. Um, Lethal's pumped up after the match as Takahashi leaves the ring slowly. And then we're joined on the commentary desk by the dogs, PP, <laughs> Rhett Titus oh. and Will Ferrara. I, I did not know who Will Ferrara was. So all of my notes are Rhett Titus and the other dog. Don't, <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. That, you know, he's, 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 he's just okay. And also I think at some points I may forget who is speaking, but yeah, these guys are not a great substitution for Colt Cabana. I'll tell you that. No, it's a rough. Yeah. The, the first attempt at replacing Colt does not go well, but this but is, that takes us to match number three. Yeah. Match three. It's for the world tag team championships. It is your champions, motor city machine guns, Alex Shelley and Chris Saban putting the titles on the line against Silas young and the beer city bruiser. Yes. Uh, this was not originally a title match, but the guns insisted on defending their titles. So that's how that happened. Oh, I somehow part of my notes got moved down to here from the last match start when the fan or no, no, it was it was. That's right. It was during the graphic for this match. Okay. The, the crowd hasn't fi- finished cheering for the last match. Lethal wasn't out of the arena yet. And the fans were chanting, shake his paw for the code of honor. Apparently, I'm guessing Hiromu and, Ta- and Daryl were uh, facing down with Lethal afterwards. Of course, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, go ahead. We can go in here. I love yeah, Silas Young throwing his streamers back at the crowd angrily. No, nah, he's he's so good. Yeah, I I, I, <laughs> I like me some Silas Young. I also Beer City Bruiser is somebody that you know upon coming in because it wasn't long before this that he kind of he showed up in I think the top prospect tournament. Yeah, they talk about and, him uh, being in that prospect tournament. Just just a guy that I mean doesn't look like he's gonna impress you. And then every time I've I've seen one of his matches live or otherwise, I've always enjoyed him and enjoyed his character so yeah if you just like told me and, yeah. and explained the character and like wrote it out i'd be like ah, i don't want to see that but right when i actually do watch like you said i've, I've always been entertained at, by the end of it 
Yeah, uh, Rhett Titus calls Will Little Willie. There'll be some contention throughout the match about Ian's permission to call him that or not. Yeah. Uh, we get a bad guys attack before the bell as the guns were posing on the turnbuckles. Well, and then they loved, hold the titles up. I love the machine guns coming out onto the stage and then being ready to move on to the, the ring when they, like, their little yeah. pyro goes off. And so they got to move back and get back into position for this stupid little streamer that barely goes off. Yeah. Well, it gave me, it gave me my opportunity to uh, <clears throat> be able to get the picture I guess I got of him that night. That, Cause that's what it was funny. Good. Yeah, it's just funny you say that because it's like I'm watching that. And I was like, wait, I've got a solid picture of that, you know. And I was oh, like, oh, nice, nice. I was like, when did that happen? I was like, wait, so and he started coming back. I was like, oh, okay, that's what happened. I was like, <laughs> I was like, how do I have this two? How do I have this picture? <laughs> it's a different universe, Tony. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. No, they, so the bad guys attack before the bell. Silas and Shelly start things off in ring. We get double team drop kick from the guns. And then they send the bruiser out of the ring. Of course, all of this at a breakneck pace because it's the machine guns and they're awesome. Bruiser. Um, guns that jump. One, that? one little bit of a criticism for the bruiser. If he could just get his trunks cut like two inches lower on the, the <laughs> leg side. Because as he's walking out of the ring, there is some strange bulge of fat that is, is happening on the left leg. I was like, I'm uncomfortable with this. You need That's to pull like- those pants down a little bit. Well, that's that's also similar. It happens, that happens with earthquake or shark, whatever you yes. call it. John Tinta has a bad habit of that as well. You know. <laughs> it happens, man. Um, I do feel like you got that taken care of. Uh, guns with jumps off the apron in stereo in opposite directions, landing on Young and the Bruiser outside the ring. Saban, Harold Saban, is now in the ring with Silas Young. Uh, Saban runs the face of Silas into the boot of Shelley and tags him in. Drops toll hold from Shelly onto the bruiser, and Saban delivers a bulldog. Silas is taken off the apron, and the guns are in full control at this point. What was? What do you think of the uh, like time that they've decided to just like do random Macho Man like tributes? And why was that like a running theme through every match tonight? After this, <laughs> <laughs> it had to have been on purpose because uh, yeah, it, it was too like weird it. to be an accident. Because yeah, there are. Everybody, like, almost every match has at least one spot where someone does like a move in tribute to the Macho Man. It's so strange. I don't, but yeah, here that's very obvious is Alex Shelley does his Macho Man impression of oh, a yeah. double axe handle on the Bruiser with an "Oh yeah" just yeah. before it, uh, and then he tags in Saban who does the same thing. And I was just yeah, like, I don't yeah. know what's happening right now. Is this like a rib that you guys are all doing from backstage? Like, who can get the most it, Macho Man might, references in? It might be really. <laughs> Oh, man. So, yeah, another, oh, yeah, axe handle from Shelly, and Bruiser goes to one knee, as that was the announcers were kind of selling the fact that the Bruiser's not going down to these hits. Um, Silas has had enough. He takes Shelly outside, whips him into the guardrail, and Silas says, you want to do some high-flying moves? And he does a second rope right-handed punch. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty extreme. Pretty extreme. Yeah, they'll punch to the face. Uh, Silas, then with shoulder thrust in the corner, oh. in comes the Bruiser. The yes. dogs inform us they're going to be part of the commentary for the rest of the night. And I was like, please tell me you're lying. I cannot handle this for the rest of the night. <laughs> that may have been the, the thought at one time, but the plans definitely changed. Um, Bruiser tags in. It's a basement drop kick for a two. In comes Silas again as they're making quick tags. He hits a slingshot leg drop and also manages a two count. I love Silas didn't. At one, I don't, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but Silas counting along with the five count. Is always fun. 
Right. No, that's just a good, just a good little thing to do. You know, it's the small things. Um, Silas chokes Shelly across the bottom rope. Um, Alex would attempt a sunset flip, but the Beer City Bruiser blocks that, and Alex is able to move out of the way before the city before the Bruiser sat on him. Uh, Beer does catch him with a clothesline and tags in his partner Silas Young. Shelly delivers chops, but Silas cuts off the comeback and hits a second rope back rake for a two. Another yes. extreme high flying maneuver there from uh, Silas Young, and Bruiser would knock Saban off the apron altogether as Shelly continues to uh, struggle and need a tag. Yes. Uh, so Bruiser tags in. Shelly begins fighting back. He thwarts Silas's attempted cheating and jumps over the Bruiser and tags in Chris Saban. Get a high cross body from the top. Saban runs at Silas, eats a forearm. Uh, Saban comes off the top with a missile drop kick shortly later. Uh, the guns put the heels on the floor and Shelly parts the ropes as Saban dives onto both men with the tope suicida. Uh, back and forth kind of continues here. Beer City driver by the heels on Shelly. Uh, a little bit later here as they double team Saban, uh, running knees. And then it ends with a cannonball from the bruiser onto Chris Saban, but he's still able to kick out at two. Uh, yeah, the cannonball in the corner. Uh, mm. Pretty ugly stuff there. Saban gets off the shoulders of Silas, though, before any harm could be done, and pushes him into the Beer City Bruiser. Um, we get a springboard tornado DDT from Saban on Silas. Guns then with a kick combo on the Bruiser. Dream sequence, reference there to the Backseat Boys, Trent Acid and Johnny Cashmere, <laughs> uh, from the guns onto Silas Young. And then the Skull and Bones, a combo neckbreaker top rope cross body from the guns on the Beer City Bruiser for the one, two, three, and the victory. Your winner and still tag team champions, Motor City Machine Guns. Yeah, this was a, a fun one just because I wanted to see the Motor City Machine Guns. I didn't think it necessarily got to that next level of like being like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm watching this, but it was, right. it was a good time. Yeah, no, I liked it quite a bit, maybe even more than you did, but yeah, no, I liked it. Uh, the big dogs say they're going to be challenging these two very soon. And we're told that they actually, uh, these two, by the way, are going to be fighting War Machine on the next show. And I was like, damn, I want to watch that show. <laughs> just want to watch War Machine destroy them. Uh, but yeah, so that now brings us to, I guess, match number four. Yes, match number four. It's our international incident as the factions collide in Ring of Honor. Chaos, represented by Will Ospreay, Toru Yano, and Yoshihashi, the headhunter, taking on Suzuki Goon. With Minoru Suzuki and the Killer Elite Squad, Lance Archer and Davey Boy Smith Jr. Oh, yeah. And we're told that Will Ospreay just won the junior title on Monday morning. So he has just come off of that. And that'd be the first time, too, wouldn't it? I think so. I think that is his first one. Um, Mm -hmm. It was like King of Pro Wrestling. And it's at this point that I was like, why is Ian being drowned out by the Killer Elite Squad music? And I was like, oh, it's because this isn't the Killer Elite Squad music. Great. Yeah, I just started saving time by fast-forwarding through New, New Japan entrances because <laughs> cause at some point, like, some of them you could you could hear him, and then I can't remember which one it was where I was like, I think my name is Minoru. I was mm-hmm. like, I literally, I can tell he's talking, but I can't make out anything that he's saying. No, and, and especially with Minoru Suzuki, it's like they're trying to get to the point of the song with this very short entrance ramp to the, let yeah. the crowd do the, the sing-along part, and we get mm-hmm. to, we watch all of this. Even though we can't hear the music, we're hearing something yeah. else. Like, there's other music playing, and then suddenly the crowd shouts, Kaze Ninar. It's like, what is happening here? Right. Uh, no. 
So that was disappointing. Such a such a bummer. Um, because it was a really cool moment in that being in that crowd. Mm-hmm. That was really cool seeing oh, yeah. R. Suzuki because that crowd goes nuts when he came through the curtain. Uh, I mean, that was I, was I was probably as excited as anybody. I mean, that was I was probably as happy to see Minoru Suzuki as I was anybody at oh, that show. Absolutely, yeah. This was kind of like when I learned Okada was going to be on All In. It was like that is a guy I want ah, to see right, live. Right. You know. Um, so Suzuki has the uh, backside mohawk haircut at this point. A great look here. Um, yep. And the fans are chanting Suzuki as the music ends. And I love the Suzuki goons offering handshakes. They don't just immediately attack. <laughs> no. They offer the code of honor. And, and, and even as they're showing this, I love the smile on Minoru Suzuki mm-hmm. as he's offering the handshake here. To Yano of all to people, Toriano. of course, too. <laughs> Poor Yano. Um, it was a it was a swerve. It was not their intentions were not pure. No, did you notice that Suzuki has his fingers crossed behind his back as he's offering oh, a handshake as well? Yeah, I didn't catch that. That's awesome though. That's a nice touch. Oh yeah, uh, and everyone just fights to the floor, ECW main event style here. <laughs> just gonna bell rings to the outside. Um, Archer sends Osprey to the guardrail. I was like, ooh, bad matchup for Will. I don't know how you got yourself with Lance. <laughs> Suzuki's beating Yano up, which also probably is no fun for Toru because he doesn't get any offense in. Uh, oh, yeah. Now Davy Boy is also choking Will. I'm like, now where's Yoshi? Yoshihashi just disappears <laughs> yeah. at mo- for extended periods of time in this match. Because <laughs> when they're doing this kind of brawling stuff, this happens all the time where like there ends up being a two-on-one from mm-hmm. Suzuki Goon, and you're like, where the hell is Yoshihashi? Yeah, like apparently he's absent. They're just that's the one spots that are being missed by the directors. Whatever the big spot that Yoshiashi does to but then lay around for a while, like we're right. just not seeing that. <laughs> no. No, I just feel like he's not in like more than half of this match. Oh. So yeah, Yano and Suzuki fight into the crowd and uh they walk right past where me and you were sitting. Uh there's a quick point where I could see me and then like a quick second later you could see you as well. Um, really? I I never could I I tried it. I didn't want to like spend a lot of time trying. Second, yeah, it was one of those yeah. things where it's like it's a DVD, so it's not high quality. It's right. Yeah, it's like well, That's all true. right, but yeah, they go through the crowd here. Uh, Davy Boy Smith and Suzuki hit shots on Yano back and forth over the barricade. Uh, Yano is then brought back into the ring by Suzuki, and in walks BJ Whitmer, and he says, "I'm here to save you in the show," and he joins the announce table. Yeah, BJ Whitmer. Hasn't saved anything in his entire career, that's for sure. Um, I don't even know if I've, I would have thought I made a note of where he's at because I've lost you a little bit here. Okay. Um, anyway. Yano does his usual spot with the ropes where he doesn't uh, okay, want to you. touch him by doing the break, break, break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because this leads to trouble for Todd Sinclair, who will now like be living in fear of Minoru yes. for like the remainder of the match <laughs> after the break in the corner stuff. Um, in comes Archer. After they torture Sinclair, just the man was running for his life, I think, before the tag was made <laughs> by Minoru. So, oh, yeah. funny stuff there. Um, Archer with a running splash in the corner for a two on Yano. We get a short arm clothesline, and in comes Davy Boy, who was clearly cutting weight at this point, probably for that uh, amateur wrestling stuff he was doing at the time. Oh, uh, okay. So I was like, man, he looks almost, you would say, thin. Yeah, it's, it's a strange, strange look. Uh, Dave, Davy Boy, with these, you know, he has the like Bulldog 1999 look going on when he like came back from WCW and won the hardcore <laughs> title. Like, yeah. uh, don't do that one, dude. That's not that's not the cosplay you should be doing. Um, Davy then with a stalling suplex, a very long stalling suplex on Toru Yano. Yeah, this which, was impressive. Which, 
Yeah, because Whitmer even mentions, like, he's not a small boy, you know? No, that's that's what I was thinking. I was like, Yano's not a small guy. I'm impressed with Yano for being able to keep his balance. I'm impressed with fucking Davy Boy for being able to hold him for that long. Yeah, it goes for a while. Um, But yeah, he finally drops him, and it's just a two count. And I was like, Yano has taken, like, all kinds of stuff from these guys already, and he is insanely tough. He just keeps kicking out at two. They're not coming in and breaking it up. Every time that, like, just before this, like, the... uh, the other chaos guys got on the apron and KES immediately knocked them back off. So like those yeah. guys just keep getting knocked down. <laughs> uh, they're bullies. Conti- speaking of bullies, Suzuki now gets in the ring and stretches Yano. Uh, Hashi would attempt to make the save and Minoru just stared at him and he <laughs> just didn't do anything about it. Uh, Yano would rake the eyes and make the tag to Will oh, no. Ospreay. I'm not sure he, how much good that's going to do. He didn't just stare um, at him. Yoshiashi comes in, Suzuki right. catches the foot and puts them both into a hold. Right, oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Will yeah, Ospreay so has to free him. Yeah, the headhunter was no help there. Um, slingshot Sinton on Davy Boy from Will, a back elbow and a sweep of the leg, followed by a basement drop kick from Osprey to Davy Boy Smith. Standing shooting star on Davy Boy gets a two count. Uh, Davy, though, is able to avoid a cutter, but had his suplex countered into a stunner. From Osprey, Davy then got his feet up on a moonsault, and then delivered a Saito suplex. They got a two count on the aerial assassin. Oh yeah, and Davy Boy tags in Minoru Suzuki, and uh, these guys start going back and forth here. He hits—I don't know what movie was it a pile driver or something. He hits something on Will's Will, and Will like screams when he kicks out. And I was like, that was a weird moment. <laughs> I think it might be a little bit later because they just. Chop the well, no, shit this out of each just, other for This a while. is right before they go into chopping each other, and I didn't oh, know it what. Oh, it was that suplex. It was that suplex. I think I was talking oh, about. Okay. Okay. So yeah, he he kicks out. Then, like you said, this these chops start. He chops Minoru Suzuki first, and what yeah. follows is one of my favorite wrestling moments in some time. <laughs> as this camera crew and the director captured it perfectly, because like he <laughs> chops him, and then we just stick on Minoru Suzuki standing perfectly still before he breaks the smile, and the crowd immediately erupts with you fucked up to oh, yeah. Will oh yeah yeah i i don't think anyone expected this to go well for will and it does not he gets absolutely annihilated um will's chops are getting last from suzuki um he beats the hell out of him until will caught him with a heel kick and then both men were down yoshi and archer make the hot tags uh hashi's over the clothesline in the corner but his sunset flip is blocked Yoshi, though, avoids the sit-down and hits the headhunter for a two-count. Archer, though, hits a nice-looking pounce. Always mm-hmm. a cool move. Uh, Yoshi, though, caught a series of moves in the corner, and that was followed up by a heart attack from KES for a two-count as he's just being annihilated at this point. Um, they caught a dive to the floor and then just threw Will Ospreay into the front row, which was pretty cool. Just don't yeah. think anybody knew that that was happening either. Uh, they take out Yoshi with a side slam splash combo for a two. But Yoshi is ever persistent, fights out of a bomb attempt, a springboard forearm from Osprey out of nowhere, actually from the guardrail onto the ropes and then yeah. in the ring, which they don't film. It's and not so, well shot. I was going to say, just after saying how great the crew was doing just before, they missed that one yeah. completely. Because I'd forgotten seeing that live. Now, as soon as you mentioned that he went from the guardrail to the ropes, I'd forgotten that that was the case. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah, and he hits the, the phenomenal forearm, 
And then Yoshihashi plays cleanup and gets the pinfall and wins the match for his team. <laughs> I mean, Yoshihashi pins Lance Archer. One, two, three, four. I was like, that is such a weird thing that just it's, two years ago, Yoshihashi yeah. pinned Lance Archer. Well, it's another thing that I love about these like Global Wars and War of the Worlds tours that they did, you know, for the better part of a decade or whatever. Is mm-hmm. that, it was those kinds of matchups. Like, you wouldn't get to see Will Ospreay and Minoru Suzuki. Yeah probably do anything with one especially not at this point mm-hmm. in time you know like now maybe but yeah not no, in 2017 so this yeah was, it's, it's you know cool to see this was a lot of fun you know it's the usual suzuki goon brawl um mm-hmm. you know i necessarily wasn't super excited for the killer elite squad and and getting spit on by lance archer but oh uh, you know yeah but uh, Minoru Suzuki is uh, an event in a, in and of himself. Like he was oh, yeah. a big part of the reason I was coming to this show. He was the only guy that if there was a chance that the meet and greet line wasn't insanely long, I was interested in going to meet and greet. But right. um, yeah, uh, I was super excited by the end of this match. I thought his performance was fantastic, and you know it was a fun a fun ending before the intermission. Absolutely, yeah. Intermission time. We don't have to. They don't make us wait for anything. No, I don't even know why they told us. Thank goodness. Like why did you? <laughs> like just cut that cut that line. Like we're not we're not going to intermission. You're just gonna go to the next match, as far as we know. So we come back from break, and Ian Riccaboni is telling us last night we saw the first ever Women of Honor match. Like, another wow. thing that was just yeah, I know another thing that had just started at this time. And he says tonight we have another special attraction ladies match, and <laughs> I was like, oh boy, we're it's a special attraction to have the women in the ring at this point. Well, yeah. You got to start somewhere, I guess. But it's match number okay. five. Yeah. For the Women of Honor exhibition, Hala Dead battling Sumi Sakai. Yeah. Listen, here's the thing. I don't mean to be rude because I've seen her a couple times now. I don't like Holly Dead. <laughs> I wanted to. I like the look at I th- first, but. I, I, think, I think it might just be a green factor. But yeah. Man. He's just because it used to be her and Thunder Rosa were like a combination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they talked and, about them being like the twisted sisters or whatever. Yeah, and thank God Thunder Rosa got away because it, <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit of a uh, a Shane Taylor and Keith Lee combination, possibly. Ooh, I mean that's a that's a yeah. You're not wrong. Things went things are going okay for Shane. Anyway, I do like Shane. Holly Dunn is trained by the vampire Gangrel. He drinks blood. I don't He's know also a that. wrestler that I don't care to watch wrestle ever. So. Wow! Now come on. Uh, she slithers like a sn- she's slithering like a snake, which is like okay. I I did and, enjoy. So, go ahead. And Ian just goes, <laughs> he just goes. She's slithering like a snake, and then there's a pause. He goes, "Wow!" <laughs> like I know he was being authentic, but it just it didn't sound like it. Oh. So Sumi Sakai comes out. She's trying to get the crowd up, but these, fo- you know, these girls, for one, they're having a match, the second ever women yeah. wins match in Ring of Honor, and they're also put after the intermission. So you got to get the crowd back into it. Did the same thing when I went to uh, the show by myself. It was Kelly Klein and uh, I can't remember who she was fighting, but they did, it was the same thing they did. It might have been, you know, Jenny Rose or something, but okay. it was the intermission. I was in the damn pizza line. You know how long that thing is. And it's like, <laughs> yes. wait, don't. Don't start the show up yet, you know. I'm not. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. Uh, well, Holodead offers a handshake for the code of honor. Sumi Sakai's like, I don't think that's a smart idea, and I love that she shakes her wrist, yeah, and then like turns and points to the to her head as, at the crowd. Um, <laughs> Sumi runs around the ring, just runs away from Holodead, and Holodead chases her, and they run around the ring like twice, and then they go back in the ring, and Sumi hits a drop kick, leg log rolls Holodead like Big Josh. 
and then hits a high fly flow from the top rope onto the floor onto Holodead. And I was like, this is this is getting somewhere. And then Holodead has to take control and the match kind yeah. of falls falls over for me. And Asumi's amazing and has been for a long time. That's why you know, she she could work with anybody, make them look good. Um yeah, Holodead tied Sumi up in the ropes and kicked her in the face. Get a camel clutch from Dead on San on Sumi. Holodead goes to the top, but she is cut off by Sumi. Uh, Sakai though, won't be pushed down. It was like I've never seen anything like it. Like, was this how this was supposed to go? It, I, or is Sumi like repeatedly telling her, No, like that's not what happens next. <laughs> I thought they were gonna just do the Sasha Banks kick thing and that like it would make right. more sense if there's a reason for her to keep firing back up. But then they just never she, do it. They just she just <laughs> falls down. <laughs> yeah, she seems resistant to falling down, like that's not what's supposed to happen next. Because she literally hits the mat. Stands up and goes and hits a top rope hurricanrana. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, it felt like maybe they were trying to like transition to a hurricanrana from that point, but right. there wasn't the way that her legs were. It wasn't going to happen. Um, yeah, yeah. Sumi Hol- then with a Sumi. Oh, go ahead. Fine. I was just gonna. Dead gets the better of her by kicking her down and then hits a spine buster out of nowhere to get a two count. Uh, ah, she yes. Places Sumi draped over the top rope and kicks the side of her head. Right. Um, Ian mentioned some of the, you know, the names that have been floated out there or that have already been a part of the company at this time. And, you know, Kelly Klein, Faye Jackson, Veda Scott, Scarlett Bordeaux, Deanna Perazzo, you know, um, with varying, you know, a lot of those ladies have all gone on to much better things since then. So good for them. Yeah. Some, some not so much. Um, Holly Dead with a kick to the head gets a two count. She then caught Sumi with a big boot for another two. Dead hits the Samoan drop, but also Sakai manages to kick out at two. Sumi with the second rope roll up. She just like jumped off the second rope and rolled her up. Well, yeah. And then the inside cradle. It was all kind of ugly. Yeah, it was like there was she was trying to dive into an inside cradle and that was supposed to be the finish, but they can't handle it. So then she just like lets go of her (laughs) and then bounces off the ropes and does a small package. And then that's the finish. So, yeah. So, yeah. Sumi celebrates and shakes hands and. Ian and, and BJ begin to dis- Ian, discussing our next match. Ian tries to, you know, sell it like this women's company is coming along just like NXT. The women of honor are heating up all over the world. I was like, eh. <laughs> it's, it's getting <laughs> And then it all came crushing down. Um, anyway. Yeah, so we talk, they talk a little bit about match number six, but let's just go ahead and get to it. It's Shane Taylor taking on the goods, Josh Woods, the recent, uh, Tournament, you know, prospect, uh, yeah, prospect, top prospect, yeah, top prospect winner. This is a this this was a match that I was just like, I feel bad for these guys, like on a show that's labeled yeah. as Global Wars, and then you have just two kind of lower card ROH guys just wrestling each other in a, a grudge yeah. match. Yeah, and it turns out to be a pretty solid match. But this it is does. something that, and I didn't really talk about it earlier, but I'll you know I'll mention it here. It's like I don't understand why wrestling can't understand that. Leave them wanting more. Less is better. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when I was at that show, I mean, there were things that people were crazy for. Crowd was super hot and it bleeds into the next match and it bleeds a little bit into the next match. But then you have another match and yeah. then you have another match. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. and this was just one of the situations where you don't do anybody any favors here. Cause the same thing with the women's match before this. And then this match, like nobody paid to see these matches. Yeah. And so it's hard to make anybody give a shit about these matches, you know? Like maybe they just really thought that the line for the pizza was going to be long enough to get through the women's <laughs> match, but 
I mean, I was probably still getting my pizza at this point. So, <laughs> oh man, so, yeah. But Shane Taylor, we mentioned him earlier. He's a guy that was the first time I saw him was with you in Indianapolis, I believe. At the uh, yeah. was that the ice, whatever they called yeah. the Winter Warriors thing. Yeah, yeah, I think that was the name of that show. Yeah, we saw him, and it was in the pre-show match. Yeah. Where he, yeah. where he teamed with These current two, Raw superstar Keith Lee. Yeah, Keith Lee and Shane Taylor show up in, like, yeah. Goodwill Blazers uh, with mm-hmm. no T-shirt underneath, just looking, like, just indie-rific. And yep. they, they, I remember being impressed by them in the match because they were both big dudes. Keith Lee oh, yeah. has lost weight since then. Um, mm-hmm. they, they were both real big dudes, and I didn't expect much seeing their entrance, but man, they, right. they showed up, they had a good match. And ever since then, every time I've seen either one of them, I've been impressed. Like Shane mm-hmm. Taylor here, he's kind of the overshadowed guy when you look at Keith Lee, obviously, but right. Shane Taylor's gone on to have a fine career as far as I know, at least, uh, with yeah, Ring no, of he's Honor. Still, yeah. Yeah. There was some thoughts that he was going to be leaving and I'm pretty sure he resigned this year and okay yeah he had the he had the tv title fairly recently and stuff josh woods is also still with the company he and silas young are now kind of a current uh tag team and he kind of plays the dumb like you know young guy that silas is always having to like slap around and like (laughs) you know keep him in order nice Uh, but it's just it's a tough gimmick to get over man because he's still kind of doing the same thing still like yeah he's just you know the pit fighter that wears the (laughs) flame shorts and you know but we're told this is a long-running feud between these two. And this is a grudge match we're supposed to expect. Um, sure. Shane, on his entrance, begins talking to the camera, and the director just cuts away. I was like, <laughs> what the fuck, guys? <laughs> no no walkout promos. Then everybody, it's going to be WCW all over again. If we let you talk into the camera, we're going to have to let everybody talk into the camera. And then Tony Schiavone is not going to be able to get his live event shit in, and he's going to get frustrated. I love the extra fill-in here of the storyline of what's going on with Shane Taylor as we learn that both Cody and that dastardly QT Marshall have paid Shane as a mercenary to attack various guys on the roster. Oh, man. Not the dreaded QT Marshall. <clears throat> yeah, so crowds behind Taylor, which I'm not really sure if that was the well, intention or not. They announced that he's from Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, and, yeah, that's and true. And so that gets a big reaction, and he's kind of the hometown guy. That's true. Yeah, good point. Um, Josh Woods with a quick kick to the knee of Taylor, starting things off, trying to chop the big man down. Um, he's looking for a choke after dodging a punch from Taylor, but is unsuccessful. Shane blocks a single leg <clears throat> takedown attempt from Josh Woods, um, who manages to roll into an ankle lock. Pretty impressive mm-hmm. technical work early on. Taylor knocks Woods off the apron to the floor. They then fight on the outside. We get a back suplex from Shane Taylor on the apron. Woods, though, blocks a suplex, but he can't lift Taylor either. So it was kind of all for nothing. And Shane, with a big <laughs> back elbow, takes Woods off his feet. Yeah, uh, Taylor takes Woods outside the ring, puts him against the barricade, and then hits a running cannonball onto him. And Whitmer says, this one's over. That's the end of the match. Uh, Taylor shoves Woods back in the ring, and inside Woods gets the better of Taylor and back elbows him and hits a disaster kick. Uh, Woods wants the fans to support him. They do so by doing a clap clap. You know, they do the, the slow clap thing. Uh, Woods with big shots and strikes, kind of CM Punk style shining wizard in the corner. And then a German suplex, but after kicking out, Shane Pilot, Shane Taylor just like hits a sit out pile driver and pins him one two three. 
Yeah, matches that you always get the impression that like either they lost track of time or they yes. were told they were out of time. Because <laughs> I feel like there's another one of those matches on this show where everything's so long and like you know planned out, and, and then like just ends. You're like, oh, <laughs> like, seemed like you guys were maybe in a rush there. But yeah, Shane Taylor picks up the victory with the uh, Rikishi style sit out pile driver. I thought it was a decent match, not amazing, but you know it was yeah. good. I thought it was two guys that kind of like like we've said, you know, we're up against it here. You know, they're not expected right. to have a great match. They're not expected to be that. The crowd's not expecting to care at all, and uh, no. they ended up, you know, bringing them in. Uh, yeah, no, they. Yeah. yeah, the crowd wasn't indifferent to them or anything. They were no. into it. Uh, Ian says, "Up next, Colt Cabana's coming out of retirement." I'm excited, and he's uh, warning fans he won't be completely impartial. And BJ's like, "You're never impartial," <laughs> which you know it's it's kind of true. It's not it's not entirely untrue. But yeah, that takes us to match number seven. Yes, match number seven. It is uh, Kenny King teaming up with Colt Cabana, battling the Bullet Club B team of Marty Skrull and Hangman Adam Page. Yes, the uh, current television champion, Kenny King, in mm-hmm. Ring of Honor. Yes. Uh, so, crowd goes absolutely nuts for Colt Cabana. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they go nuts for Colt. They uh, they go nuts for a lot of these guys, actually. <laughs> this is, oh, yeah. A, this true. is a fun entrance uh, series here for this one. Because the, the, you know, the Bullet Club come out here, and uh, Adam Page is showing frustration at not being able to do two sweets as he throws up a, the, the short-lived one sweet. Uh, the fans go crazy for Marty coming out with the villain entrance. Um, and like you said, Colt, just as he gets in the ring, the lights go out. Uh, I was like, man, I'm really enjoying this Colt Cabana entrance. And just as he gets in the ring, there's and that's when the right. Bullet Club came. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Or no, Kenny Damn. King, that was who was, his music had to hit. Yeah, yeah, Kenny King came out. Yeah, so there's no honor code again at the beginning of this match. So now, Colt and Kenny shake hands. Did you hear was... Did, did Ian Riccoboni say that Kenny King is born and raised in Allentown, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. or that Ian Riccoboni was born and raised in Allentown, Pennsylvania? I couldn't quite tell because B.J. Whitmer was just attacking him for liking either of them. I know Ian is from Allentown. Okay, I don't know if, I don't know if he was... Com- I don't know if he was comparing himself to a wrestler <clears throat> who's also from there or something, but... Gotcha. But I love that uh, Marty is just angry at anything that the faces do. It doesn't matter what they do. Like, they, it's just the hat. Like, he Colt picks up Kenny's hat, and Marty's like, no! And he like, throws it back right. down at the ground and, like, stomps on it. No, yeah, he's totally uh, over the top here. It's great stuff. Also, Ian in- Cabana's... Good. No, go ahead. I was going to start talking about the match. Okay, so yeah, just before the match can start, I enjoyed Colt and Kenny doing paper, rock, scissors for who won't start the match because Kenny wins it and then goes to the apron. <laughs> right. Colt is left yeah. to start the match. Yeah, I wasn't sure how that was going to shape it out. Um, Cabana kicks Marty away from a submission. Marty with a wrist lock. Colt counters. Marty escapes and gets a side headlock. Cabana, though, counters and escapes that with a head scissor with the legs. Cabana gets Marty to stop. Just tells him, Stop. <laughs> And then just puts a wrist lock on him. Oh, that is the the cabana things that I love. Like, because he's he yells stop, and then as soon yeah. as he does, in that silence, as the crowd's just like, "What's going on?" He goes, "Thank yeah. you," and grabs his yeah. wrist as he starts to twist around <laughs> into the lock. Yeah, no, I love that. Uh, Colt and Marty then exchange holds and hip tosses, going back and forth. Colt step for step with the villain. Uh, Marty would then begin taunting and celebrating, and Colt just I love he's just literally like just shoves him down. And like this is the crowd, like 
that's what's up with this guy. Because Marty did just kind of go into like a full on like he got really into the bird thing. Yeah, just going around and around. <laughs> <clears throat> and I love like Marty being completely offended at being shoved down uh, right. as he tags in Adam Page. But yeah, here comes Kenny King and Hangman Page. Uh, we get a Superman pin. I, I have no notes for the those those two going back and forth. Did you have any? Yeah, I didn't do anything. Yeah, I didn't do anything. You're fine. Say because shortly after that, a Superman pin attempt by Colt Cabana gets a two and a half on Page. King tries a spinning senton to the floor, but Page dodges that, and the heels double team him, but not for long. As King runs off the guardrail onto the stage and dives onto both of them, it was a really impressive move there. Yeah, awesome stuff from Kenny King. Uh, King and Page are back inside the ring now. Uh, Kenny with the macho man uh, pulling the neck down across the top rope as you jump to the outside mm-hmm. maneuver. Continuing that trend of the night. Uh, Marty a, then took it's it's John Cena's bulldog of that macho man used to do before John Cena was even around. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Marty took Kenny out and then Paige hits a drop kick that sent him into the guardrail. Kenny with a single leg crab followed by a bridging neck submission hold. Um, and then Marty got everyone excited about something. Oh, so I know exactly what you're talking about here. So Marty breaks up the pin and then runs right. out to the crowd and starts one sweeting people. And just right. before he finishes, he two sweets one person and the crowd oh. goes fucking bananas. <laughs> I thought I I thought that's what I saw. I didn't realize that's what all it was though. Yeah, they <laughs> go fucking nuts and uh Marty does cat scratches down the back of King. Uh, they're getting mm-hmm. ready to move on, but the fans start chanting one more time. So again, we <laughs> do this awkward transition where we have mm-hmm. to pull the man up and uh, we go for the, the big lift, you know, lifting King into the turnbuckle, holding him there. Marty argues with Colt, who is begging him not to do it one more time. And Marty somersaults forward, backwards, forwards, and scrapes the back of King after spinning around. It's very over the top and cartoonish. <laughs> it was awesome, though. I did love it. Uh, Marty then tags in Hangman and knocked, and he knocks Cabana off the apron. Paige and Marty do a running punch thing on Kenny in the corner. This is great. Oh, <laughs> Paige, yeah, go ahead explain it. Yeah, yeah. Paige hit it, and every time Marty would go for the same maneuver, he would get kicked in the face, and they just run in a circle like this for <laughs> five or six rotations, probably. Yeah. And Marty. Gets kicked in the face every time, and Paige connects. Oh, and the crowd, you know, kind of gets more and more laughing each time that that happens. Um, yeah, King's able to duck a clothesline from Paige that ends up hitting Marty as they collide. Uh, we get a spinning heel kick by Kenny King. Colt with the hot tag. He gets double chops. Wind winds up and uh, gets the right hand punch to Paige, who ran in. Uh, springboard moonsault onto both of the Bullet Club members, and the fans start chanting, you still got it. It's just hilarious that this man was retired. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Like, kind of. <laughs> yeah, a big double bionic elbow from Colt goes for the flying asshole that he calls out very loudly, and the announcers make sure to say, we're not allowed to say what that was. Right. And he hits BJ it. Whit- BJ Whitmer says he's going to be fined $100 when he tells the office. <laughs> yeah, there's this thing. Uh, one of the reviewers that I... I think I might have even quoted in our second opinion thing talked about BJ Whitmer apparently was doing a running heel gimmick of, of tattling to the office. I guess I didn't realize that was the, the deal. It's, it's not explained very well. It kind of only comes up during this match also for the most part. It, he's, it's only, yeah, it's time um, for the, the spin and the chicken wing, but Colt hears the crowd call for it and goes, no, and hits the, uh, the Cubs win submission move. Yeah. The, Reverse Boston Crab from the from Cabana. 
Hangman breaks it up with the buckshot lariat. Colt attempts a sunset flip, but Paige fights it, begging Marty for help. Uh, Marty grabs his hands and goes to kick Colt in the head, you know, as it's sticking between the legs of Paige. Colt moves, causing Marty to low blow his peg, his tag team partner, Hangman Page. In comes Kenny King. Um, but he got ta- he got dumped to the floor. Marty delivers a super kick off the apron onto Kenny. Uh, Page with the apron shooting star, which is always impressive. Mm-hmm. And then we get the finger breaking portion of the match. Colt blocks the finger breaks oh, with an this. oven mitt. <laughs> Dude, it is so much like. He's like a. It was like a real life Bugs Bunny. I don't know where that oven mitt was hiding. I didn't I notice it in his I tights know. beforehand. But yeah. suddenly, like as the Marty Skrull is doing the shh part and not looking at him, there is yep. a, uh, an uh, just apparition that just appears. This this <laughs> oven mitt shows up, and uh, yeah, he puts it over his hand to stop it, and it is awesome. <clears throat> no, awesome. Yeah, loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Um, Colt then takes Paige out by slapping him around with the oven mitt. Uh, Marty does get his hands on Cole and does break a finger. Uh, but all for not, King hits the royal flush on the hangman. One, two, three, your winners, Colt Cabana and Kenny King. Oh, yeah. And this was just, you know, it's a big, it's a lot of fan appreciation sort of stuff. Just they're just, you know, Colt Cabana yeah. is obviously well loved and uh, it was uh, a lot of fun here. The, the fans get to chant for Colt Cabana as he leaves the ringside again. Yeah, so uh, great matchup. He doesn't rejoin the commentary team, which kind of disappointed me. But I was kind of hoping for a, yeah, Jerry the King Lawler style, go sit down all right. sweaty and just grab a headset. But yeah, no, you'll be fine. We'll be stuck with BJ Whitmer for the remainder of the evening. Yes, yes, we will. And Ian Nakabani uh, says it's time for main event. Main event time, buddy. It's our first of our two main events. First of two main events. It's match number eight. It's a Ring of Honor championship match. Challenger Kushida taking on the champion Cody. Yeah. And we get more false music for Kushida. So you don't get to hear what they're talking about as he comes out. Nope. Out comes Cody. Who's almost just walks off the edge of the stage before he realizes that's not where you go down and starts laughing as he realizes he has to go to the edge of the stage. It's like, <laughs> I mean, you have you not looked at anything that's happened tonight? Apparently not been watching the show. <laughs> Yeah, that could have been that would have been bad. Oh man. So for this match, because it's a Ring of Honor championship match, Ian Riccaboni is suddenly transported to the ring as the ring announcer. Uh he announces Kushida as weighing in at 192 pans. And Cody rolls outside of the ring as this match begins to allow fans to kiss his ring. Yep. Wouldn't probably do something like that now. Um yeah, rolls out and then gets in the ring and asks Kushida to kiss his ring. Mm-hmm. To which Kushida responds with a double flipping of the bird, <laughs> which is pretty awesome. I love Cody also pointing out to the, the camera crew, making sure that we got a shot of his Hollywood Hulk Hogan style uh, Cody Rhodes boots with himself <clears throat> photoshopped on there or whatever, or painted on there with lightning <laughs> bolts. Yeah, they're pretty awesome, gotta say. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like you said, Kushida gives him the, the finger and even yells, fuck you at him. Uh, and this infuriates the nightmare who instantly goes to ringside to get more fans to kiss his ring to make him happier, I guess. Yeah. Cody would get a microphone and tell everyone to get on their feet and cheer for him. So it gets some booze. Cause again, 
This is how hard you have to work to get the fans to not support you when you're in the Bullet Club. That is true. That is true. He's, yeah. he's like, no, please cheer for Kushida, guys, or else you're going to ruin the match. <laughs> Ian calls him Big Match Cody, and uh, he runs down the number of New Japan wrestlers that Cody has beaten recently. Uh, and this is just a long, drawn-out delay here to the start of this match, as Cody, like you yes. said, wants... He, you know, he's acting like he wants the fans behind him, but obviously trying to make sure that Kushida is getting cheered at some point here. Uh, yeah. BJ Whitmer calls these Ohio fans idiots and says that Ohio is a dump. Ian Riccoboni responds with, don't you live in Ohio? And he goes, yes, and it's a dump, which made me laugh really hard. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, if you live here, that makes it It's a little bit. You're allowed to say things like that, I exactly. guess. Um, yeah, but the matchup starts. Kushida with a go-behind that Cody manages, manages to escape. We get a cartwheel, and then a uh, Cody blows a kiss at Kushida. You know, early on here, the mm. mind games. Uh, Kushida thinks they're chanting for him as they chant "kick him out," which just cracked me up. Like, did you see how that whole sequence? Well, like, yeah, I don't know what Cody was talking about, <clears throat> but I loved when they started saying "kick him out, kick him out," and Kushida starts pumping his fists because I think in the, the cadence it sounds a lot like Kushida. Kushida. Yeah, that might be the but, case. Because <laughs> I don't think he would have. I don't think he knew what the hell Cody was talking about or it dealing was, with with whatever the fan was. Yeah, I don't know what that is either. Because it's like it's also like when he's yelling about it, it's obviously not like he actually wants someone kicked out of the right. Scene. No. Um. But yeah, the crowd goes gets behind him because we're behind every Bullet Club per- person here tonight, and uh, chance yeah. with him to kick him out, like you said. And yeah, Kushida. Uh, kind of tries to use it for himself for a minute, but the match gets back here as he hits a cartwheel seated drop kick. Uh, but Cody takes off and runs into the crowd and stalls while in the crowd. Yeah, there's a good amount of that. Um, <laughs> eventually we get back in the ring. And yeah, Kushida has-, has to like lay on the mat to to coax Cody to come back into the ring at this point. Yeah, um, he has Cody, but Rhodes rolls back out of the ring again on the outside. Kushida. Puts Cody into, sends him into the guardrail. Um, and Rhodes continues to try to escape. We get a mouthful of water to the face, which is like, when did that happen? Where did you get that? Well, he, he climbed under the ring at some point, like just before ah, they got okay. back in the ring, like Cody went underneath. And I was like, what's he doing down there? I was like, he's not cutting himself. They haven't done anything. <laughs> would. Um, Cody with a flurry of forearm shots to the face of Kushida. Um, he then makes the masturbation signal. I loved Ian Riccoboni after the, the spitting in the face spot. Um, mm-hmm. as, as Cody is doing the most heelish flex pose you can possibly think of, Ian's letting us know that, you know, there, while some people are cheering for Cody, there are some boos coming in. I don't know if the bassiness is getting onto the microphones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a nice try there, Ian. Nice try. Oh. Yeah, and there was a guy trying to start a Stardust chant that Cody does a jerk off motion to in the crowd, which made me laugh. Yeah, uh, that's what, yeah. I just said yeah. I just said the masturbation signal. Sorry. Uh, yeah, repeated two counts from Cody as he tries to get some pinfalls here. He's in control with knees to the spine, an arm lock of some form, like a bow and arrow here. As Ian wonders if Kashida should go after the arms to try to lo- you know loosen him up for the hoverboard lock. Uh, you know, because he's you know the smart move. Talk about the finishers here. Kushida uh, blocks a figure four for a second time, but Cody then locks it in. Uh, and I just have no one's buying that this is the end of the match, though. <laughs> it's you know it's uh, a figure four, but I don't think anyone's buying that Cody's winning with it. No, you're probably right about that. Um, 
Cody puts Kushida on the top, but he counters and drops to the mat with Cody's arm wrapped up. So now beginning to work on those arms. Uh, Cody leaves the ring. Kushida follows him out. He nails Cody and sends him into the guardrail again. Uh, Kushida then sits in a chair, or sits Cody in a chair to hit a running drop kick. Back inside the ring, Kushida with brutal kicks on the champion Cody. He then drop kicks his arm and then hits a DDT and looks for the hoverboard lock. But Cody stands up and escapes with an Alabama slam. Yeah. Yeah, he's got the uh, the Alabama slam there. there. What is going on here? There we go. Uh, apologies there. <laughs> My microphone was off mic all of a sudden. I was like, I can't hear myself. Um, anyways, so yeah, Alabama slam, you know, the tribute to his, his mentor, Hardcore Holly there from their time mm-hmm. together. Um, so yeah. Cody then goes for a disaster kick, but Kushida counters it into an arm bar, which apparently at this point we weren't sure if we were allowed to call it the disaster kick because Ian Riccoboni is calling it the beautiful disaster. Uh, ah, Ian says, uh, or BJ, the damage is done. But BJ's like, you don't know that. You're not a doctor. And I was like, what are you talking? Why is he yelling at him? <laughs> <laughs> You're not a real doctor. Um, yeah, Cody catches Kushida with a power slam just as Kushida was firing up. And then you get the crossroads, but Kushida counters and has the hoverboard locked on mm-hmm. to Cody Rhodes. But he manages to escape and then hits a crossroads after a series of reversals back and forth. And Cody picks up the victory. Yeah. So still your ROH champion here. Cody Rhodes. What did you think of this one? I love the I love this match. You know, this was uh not it was close to my it was it's close to being you know my, my favorite match of the whole night. So nice. Uh yeah, big fan of a big fan of this one. I liked that you know, it was kind of short and sweet, but I felt like they got the most out of things. Yeah, I thought you know you you might uh, you could possibly have shortened up a little bit of the the stalling with Cody at the beginning, but right they really got into it by the end, and I thought they worked really well together. By the finish, I was I was super excited and into this match. Absolutely, yeah, loved it. Um, Ian and BJ talk about the weekend so far, uh, discussing the previous nights of the tour, mm-hmm. and uh, remind us that Kenny Omega will be defending for the first time his United States Championship. Against Yoshihashi. Yes, his United States Championship that he does not have the belt with him here. So <laughs> Right. Yeah, there's that. Uh, but yeah, it's time now for match number nine. It's our main event of the evening. It's a six-man tag match. The best friends, Chucky e. T and Trent Beretta battling with Flip Gordon, taking on the Bullet Club, Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, Matt, and Nick Jackson. Yeah, so a hell of a hell of a six man match here. Uh, we get streamers and one sweets from the crowd. Mm-hmm. They're all very excited to see the Bucks. And again, because we can't, we can use the Bullet Club music, but we can't use the cleaner Kenny Omega music. We have to replace it, and it's drowned out, and you can't hear the crowd reaction and all that stuff. So great. Yeah, and I don't know why the Bullet Club music is exempt from all this, but it is. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. It's weird, but yeah, there we go. Uh, Dustin and Greg forever t-shirts for Chucky e. T and Trent Beretta as they come to the, the ring. And uh, we're also told that flip recently pinned Ultimo Guerrero. Yes. The hybrid child of Ultimo dragon and Eddie Guerrero. No, I'm sure it's not. <laughs> um, yeah. We get a stare down in the middle of the ring. You know, the crowd's super hot, you know, looking forward to watching this. 
Um, the men of low moral fiber, the former tag team in PWG, are the only two men that shake hands before this match starts. Kenny Omega and Chuck Taylor. Nice. Like, that was funny. I was like, I don't know why they're, <laughs> they're the only two that shook hands. Yeah, well, the Bucks um, refused to shake hands with Flip specifically. Well, um, that makes sense. Because yeah. they don't like him. So, No. Crowd chants for Chuck and Trent. Feels left out in the ring and pouts about it on the mat, which like, cracks me up. <laughs> they chant for Chuck as Trent is trying to start the the match, like in the ring. Like, right. Chuck's on the apron. <laughs> it's because everybody loves Chucky e. T. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, but Trent and Nick Jackson start the match off, and it's great stuff. We get you know wheelbarrow arm drags from Nick Jackson and a big drop kick that puts Trent on the mat. Um, in comes Flip. Did you? And then. When Chuck was being chanted for, did you notice that I loved his uh, his Dusty Rhodes walk as he was doing that with like the hands to the back? Oh like, yeah, struts oh, yeah. back and forth. No, you gotta lo- yeah, strutting. Yeah, you gotta love that. Um, in comes Flip, and that immediately re- you know brings a reaction from Matt Jackson, who wants into the matchup and yes. wants to welcome him to Ring of Honor. This was during a running storyline on being the elite, I believe. Right? Yes. Yeah, it was where. It's this weird thing where like he just he grabs Flip's hand and then like looks into the camera and says, "Where do you think you're going?" And it just it kept I, happening. I gather that it's like a common rib, apparently. Oh, uh, okay, that might be the I case. And they're like making fun of that, I guess. Yeah, because they they keep making fun of the fact that it's also they're doing harmful things to Flip and hurting him, and then calling it a harmless rib is is the other thing. So right. the fans are chanting "harmful rib" as Matt tags in. Right. So, yeah, that's the origin of all this. We get a wrist lock, and Flip begins nipping up over and over, even after Matt has let go of the wrist lock. <laughs> he's just showing he's still, off. Yeah, he's just showing off. Um, then we get the handstand. The walk, you know, he walks on his hands uh, to counter another move from Matt Jackson. And Matt would try to take advantage of this by super kicking him while he was doing the handstand, but Flip actually catches him in the act. Um, and then he barely avoids a super kick from Flip himself. So... Yeah, didn't go didn't go great for Matt Jackson on this on this one. A fun back and forth though. It was it was good right. stuff. But uh, Chucky e. T tags in. He wants the cleaner. And well, Ian- oh, and they had the. I guess I forgot. Like they did have the the moment right before that where Flip was going to shake the hand of Matt Jackson after all that. You know, after the mm-hmm. the sequence and the best friends like come into the ring and like pull him back away from Matt <laughs> yes. Jackson so they won't shake his hand. Oh goodness. So yeah, uh, Chuck Taylor wants Kenny Omega. Ian says the Kentucky gentleman has a lot of chutzpah here. Uh, these two work really well together, and I love Chucky e. T's facial expressions throughout the whole thing. Um, but I didn't note any of the moves. Uh, Trent tags in and does an over-the-top build-up to a heel twist on the face of uh, Matt Jackson or Nick Jackson. There, I thought that was good stuff. And the best friends look like they're gonna hug. Flip comes in and starts fighting Matt Jackson, and Chuck looks disgusted. And grabs Flip's head and throws him back out of the apron. <laughs> yeah, they're pre- they're pretty awful to flip throughout the rest of this match. Like the, that's <laughs> it becomes a common thing there. Uh, we get a slingshot stomp to the face from Trent that he really pumps up and gets the crowd hot for, which cracked me up. He just like leaps over the ropes. Yeah, and that's what I was talking about the on. over the top thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Flip comes in, does a bunch of flippy stuff. They're not happy about that. Uh, he dives out onto Kenny Omega and Nick Jackson. Best friends then hug finally, and they sidestep Flip when he tries to join them. So, uh, oh, no, yeah. no part of that. Yeah, you're not Orange Cassidy. Um, Get out of here. Right. Flip eats the turnbuckle as Matt Jackson sidesteps him. In comes Nick Jackson, who takes everyone out. 
Kenny delivers a backbreaker on Gordon, and then Nick hits a stomp as he was draped over the knee of Kenny Omega. So good stuff there. In comes Omega officially, and he begins to ask the crowd to be quiet before delivering a nasty chop. Yeah. Yeah, so he chops the chest of Flip Gordon. He then asks for a chant of two boots, which Uh, earlier in the match... Matt Jackson or Nick Jackson started at this is awesome chant on his own. And he, he, I think it was right. BJ Whitmer was like, are you allowed to start your own chants? Yeah. And, uh, and so here Omega asked for a two boots chant. And I was this, like, this, I love this spot. I don't know if you hate this spot, but I thought this I was so this. much fun live. This is peak bullet club. Just yeah. too much, man. Like they have. <laughs> Fully saturated this, this company, and they can just do whatever they want. It is, but this is the this is the tour that is sold out almost primarily well, because true. they're here. <laughs> so that, well, that yeah, that's true. I guess Kenny's but, here. Yeah, Kenny's here. Uh, they do the you know. So what happens is each teammate puts a boot up in the corner and they throw the man's head into it. Well, then he tags in Nick, who calls for four boots. So both men put both their feet up there. They toss Flip's head into that. Then Matt Jackson tags in. He asks the fans to quiet down. He wants 10 boots. And so here comes Marty, Cody, and the hangman. And like you said, it's just full bullet club doing whatever they want. They all come out. The best friends are just waiting outside of the ring for this Mm -hmm. to be done. Uh, Finally, the referee throws hangman Marty and Cody out of there after they hit the 10 boots. But it is an impressive feat to have five men (laughs) putting their boots in one spot to throw a man's head into. It, it certainly is. It certainly is. Um, but the fans yeah, are chanting, they, let them stay, as the referee is throwing them out. And and I love Trent Beretta looking around just defeated at the crowd. Like, this isn't even a match. <laughs> to them. No. Nope. Oh. They just want to look at the Bullet Club, stand in the ring, literally. That, that would be fine with some of them. Um, Flip shoves Nick Jackson into Matt and then hits a backward Samoan drop, followed by a DDT on Kenny Omega. Gordon with an enziguri, and both men are now down. Uh, best friends are pulled off the apron as Flip is desperate for a tag. Mm-hmm. And Matt gets up there and does the classic stomping on the apron and calling for him to come over there and <laughs> grabs the hand of well, Flip. And- Nick had just poked him in the eye as well, so he can't see where he's going. Ah, there. He's kind of right. laying the groundwork there as well. Okay. But yeah, Matt would grab the hand of Flip as he went to make the tag and say, where do you think you're going? <laughs> Oh, crowd goes nuts. It, it's oh, yeah. a big hit. Uh, Omega comes in the ring, hits a neck breaker on Flip, but he's still able to kick out at two. And then Omega with a Dr. Wily bomb, which is a gut wrench power bomb. Uh, but the friends break up the pin and the Bucks toss him out of the ring. Uh, the Elite want a three way dive onto Flip from the top corners, but the friends crotch both the Bucks. They low bridge Kenny, and then the friends hit stereo top rope moves. It's a superplex by Chuck. And then Trent overhead German suplexes Matt, which flips over and lands on top of Nick. Then Flip Gordon hits a 450 splash, and somehow Matt Jackson kicks out at two. I was like, this seems like overkill for the Bucks. Like, you, I don't think you should have been able to kick that. Someone should have broke that one up. Yeah, or just could have been the end of the match. Um, <laughs> Kenny then with a snapdragon on Chuck, Trent, and Flip. Just, you know, full Nelson Germans for everybody. Uh, we move to the apron where Trent blocks a snapdragon attempt that would have happened on the apron and delivers a pile driver on the apron to Kenny Omega. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty awesome there. Matt hits a super kick on Trent. We get a buckle bomb kick combo on Chuck from the Bucks. 
Uh, Nick was up top and Flick kicks him off. And Trent then with a dude buster spike combo with Flip. And Nick broke up the count. I was like, at least that one got broken up. Yeah. I was like, Jesus. Yeah, Nick Swanton's on to the pinfall to to break that one up. Uh, Chuck and Omega trade shots back and forth, but Kenny breaks out with a V-trigger knee strike. Uh, Chucky hits the awful waffle, and I thought this was over, but Hangman comes out and pulls the ref out of the ring. It's like, and these are the good guys, folks. These are the good Boo. guys. Everybody, everybody the f- cheer the The fans club. are chanting, welcome back to the Bullet Club guys as they come back to ringside. Flip dives on to... You know, what always bo- you know what's always bothered me a little bit about the Bullet Club worship stuff? It's like all the... It would be like in high school if instead of hating all the popular kids at lunch, you just like stood around their table and like oohed and odd at everything they did and like <laughs> applauded them for being so cool all the time. Oh, though there's at some points in time when I'm just like sitting around pondering the world of wrestling and, and the world around us, I do wonder if there's a greater signal in the fact that the world of wrestling has always been so obsessed with cool heels and now mm-hmm. it seems like we're just okay with bad guys being in charge right. of things if as long as there are bad guys <laughs> oh, uh, we like them bad so um yeah Go welcome ahead. back welcome back as flip dives onto everybody yeah flip it's a 450 to the floor which is pretty cool um paul turner the official in this match current AEWF, he's lost all control uh chuck and trent get a table out because why not uh, matt stops them from choke slamming nick off the stage through it we then get super kicks from the Young Bucks. Uh, Kenny shows up. We get the three-man super kick. And best friends fall through the table. Yep. Chuck steps through the table. I'm not sure what the... <laughs> it was a little awkward, yeah. Um, Kenny then gets super kicked on accident. But Flip was caught. And uh, we get a stage dive melter driver from the yeah. Young Bucks. That was wild, man. Oh, goodness. And that's not, that's not the finish. Well, because it's on the floor, so they got to get back in the <laughs> ring. Uh, in the ring, the Elite hit the one-winged angel Meltzer driver combo and pin-flip Gordon for the win. And uh, the Bullet Club music immediately drowns out everything as Ian Riccoboni says goodnight. <laughs> yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, I just have here Marty Skrull's just dancing around. Cody has put his hood up and is preparing for his post-show promo as we throw to the close. Yeah, he still does those every week. Um, they were a lot more inspiring back then than they are now. true oh yeah well it's like everything you know your music's always better before you have success because you know you're struggling <laughs> and that's more interesting to hear about so yeah but- um yeah no fun show fun time in the wrestling world a real kind of interesting time in the wrestling world just as far as mm-hmm. you know the shift that was you know or at least the changes that were coming you know and just the effect that had on oh yeah all the promotions on the independence you know on you know just Everybody in general, as you know, all in was of course a uh, not far from being a reality at this point, and uh, you know, Ring of Honor would set that up and host it and put it on, and then they took their friends and all their. I know you're still upset about that. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I I I do think this is a fun show. It's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Being there live, I think maybe taints it a little bit better than maybe if you just watched it, but. Uh, it's yeah. a, it's a good time, man, and th- you know you've got the Bullet Club guys. Of course, those guys were the you know the big names that were going around. But man, Hiromu Takahashi, Minoru Suzuki, and Kushida were all just beyond anything that I expected from them going into the show. Like I thought they all put on a performance beyond what I expected. You know, I, I kind of just more expected an easygoing trip for Hiromu Takahashi, not 
necessarily being having such a hard hitting match with Jay Lethal. No, no, absolutely no. I think the Kushida, you know, being surprised by Kushida is, is understandable, especially mm. at this time, um, because in New Japan you didn't get the opportunity to watch him have a match like that or to wrestle, you know, someone that well, heavier than him. I mean, I had seen Kushida, you know, wrestle great matches, and I'm just, I'm just saying, I didn't expect them to come to America and put on matches that would be a pay per view quality. I expected it more to be a house show oh, quality see. show, right. and they right. really went out there and had great matches. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, awesome performances from all those guys for sure. So yeah, so those are our overall thoughts, but now let's go to our second opinion section. I don't have a Dave Meltzer ratings for the show, but I did find Larry Sanka of 411 Mania. Rest in peace, Larry Sanka has reviewed the show that night. He gave the show overall a 6.7 out of 10. And uh, Tony, I thought we could compare his star ratings per match to your star ratings, if that's all right. Yeah, let's do it. All right, first match, The Addiction versus Search and Destroy. What did you give this one? Solid opener, really great action. Um, too short to get a great rating. I gave it a two and a half. Seems fair. Uh, Larry Sanka gave it three stars, saying it was a you know great match that kept pace the entire time and a good way to open the show. Uh, Jay Lethal versus Hiromu Takahashi. Uh, absolutely great match from these two, like you said, more than I would have expected. Uh, I gave this match four stars. I'm right there with you on the four stars. Uh, Larry gave it just slightly lower, 3.75 on this one, but he did say he was happy that they kept Daryl to a minimum. <laughs> kind, kind of. Could have uh, been even more minimal. ROH tag team title match. What did you give that one? Um, you know, I liked this match quite a bit. Motor City Machine Guns are one of my favorite tag teams of all time. I gave this three stars. Uh, Larry Sanka, not quite as positive as you were, but two and a half stars for him. He said it was fine. They tried. It wasn't bad, he says, but the middle dragged a little bit and not a lot of drama on the uh, title change possibly happening. Right. I can understand that. Uh, chaos against Suzuki-Goon. Um, you know, there's a lot of fun spectacle in this, but the action itself, you know, there's not a ton of. I gave it two mm -hmm. stars. That's fair. Uh, I would, yeah, if, if it's two stars, then I'd probably say one of those stars is just for Minoru Suzuki being involved in the match. I thought he was great. Right. Uh, but Larry Saga gave it three stars, and, you know, he thought it was a good way to head to the intermission. Well, certainly not wrong about that. <laughs> Women of Honor match, Sumi Sakai against Holodead. What'd you give that one? I gave this a generous one star. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Larry Sanka was kind. He gave it two stars, saying it was okay. Holodead was fun, but Sakai was really off in spots, plus the crowd didn't care at all. He says it's about time the Women of Honor have gotten featured on iPay-Per-View, however, and on back-to-back -back shows. He says it wasn't the best of matches, but if you want people to care, you have to feature the women somewhere. So, yeah, there you go. He's you got to build somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was perfectly right there. Shane Taylor and Josh Woods. Uh, two stars. I thought they did a good job with the uh, amount of time they were given. Yeah. I liked it. Um, fair, fair, fair deal there. He gave it two and a quarter star, so a little bit better uh, for from Mr. Sanka here. Uh, Kenny King and Colt Cabana versus Marty Skrull and Adam Page. Uh, a lot of fun was had in this match, but it's just that it's a lot of fun. Um, the action was good at times. I gave it two and a half stars. All right. Larry Sanka, a little bit uh, more generous than you. Three stars for this one. He said it was a good mix of comedy, personality, and wrestling that came at just the right time to get the crowd back into the show. All right. ROH title match, Tony. Cody against Kushida. What say you? It was 17 minutes, by the way, just because now that we're in the main event, I figured I'd mention the times. Oh, okay. That's longer than I would have expected. The match. I didn't feel, didn't like, feel it like it was 17, 17. minutes. Yeah. 
Uh, I give this match three stars. Three stars. Uh, Larry Sanka gave it two and a half. Uh, he said that it, he, he was not a fan of Cody stalling. He said it's a shame the yeah. first 11 minutes was nothing and shit because once they actually got into it, the final six were really good. It showed what Cody can do when he's not busy playing a poor version of a 1970s heel. Yeah, he still does that every week on television. Yeah, he he's, he does does like to do those those uh, <laughs> old school Southern wrestling spots. Uh huh. All right, six man tag title match for the main event. What'd you give it? Um, you know, it was a spot fest. It was a lot of fun. I gave it three and a half stars. Yeah, I was right there with you on that three and a half. Larry Sanka also agreed three and a half stars. That was a twenty three minute match, by the way. I didn't realize that that one had gone that long. Well, because it's another one that if you actually like divided the actual time wrestling, it would probably be like half that. <laughs> All right. So Larry Sanka's overall thoughts. He said, much like ROH Global Wars Pittsburgh, Global Wars Columbus was an overall pretty good show with a much stronger first half than a second. Uh, one thing that was very noticeable was how the commentary changed. He said, Ian Riccoboni and Colt are great together. Mm-hmm. But when Whitmer took over, he did his cliche office guy heel commentary, which helped no one. In my opinion, the Jay Lethal versus Takahashi was the only much must see match on the show. So yeah, that that's probably true. His overall thoughts. I mean, I'd, I would agree with that as far as you know, a match to go out of your way to see. Oh, yeah. But unless you're just a fan of all these guys and you'd like to, you know, kind of take a step into the past and check things out. And as far as other, you know, second opinions here, Cage Match has it rated a 5.8 out of 10, nine total votes there. Uh, Sledgehammer in 2017 gave it a 7 out of 10, saying very good show, solid matches, hot crowd. Only Josh Woods versus Shane Taylor was a bit of a disappointment. Elite versus Best Friends and Flip Gordon was match of the night with no doubts. He said he likes the Bullet Club rule. I don't know what that is. I guess just having them come out to the ring. Uh, I Probably. like that even with New Japan stars, the focus was on the <laughs> ROH wrestlers, which had not happened on past Global Wars shows. No, that's a good point. Yeah, they're definitely right about that. I mean, who would have known that these weren't actually Ring of Honor wrestlers? They were imposters posing as Ring of Honor wrestlers. But <laughs> And then... Yeah, no. Yeah, great show, though. Last one here. Marcel Fish gave it a 5 out of 10, saying, The finish is clear, but sad that those were the only moments when the match was really acceptable. He said it was a tiring event until then. If it weren't for the main event, an entertaining spot festival in which everyone involved was in a really good mood. He said the comedy aspect doesn't ruin the action. It was a fine spot festival. This is how tough thir- how a tough third day ends in a forgiving way. So he was not a fan of this show until that last match, I- apparently. And it kind of sounds like a dipshit anyway. It's like, oh. you, ah, anyway, I don't care. I'm not giving any energy <laughs> to that. So those are our thoughts and other folks' thoughts on this show. Uh, Ring of Honor, New Japan, Global Wars, Night 3 from 2017 from Columbus, Ohio. But Tony, we got to move on. We've got more shows to review, more things to talk about. Where are we headed now? Well, DP, next week, we are going to go... Well, even less back in the, in the past, as we were going to yeah. <laughs> October of 2019 for WXW's Femme Fatales. Yeah, it's the uh, if you haven't seen it yet, there's now an indie section on WWE Network. This is one of the uh, the, the libraries that I guess that they have purchased, or the companies maybe they've purchased. I don't know how all that works. They work with one of them. They work with. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, there's a lot of WXW shows on there, being the fact that you know we're kind of coming up on the the memory of that evolution show that they once did. I thought maybe it would be fun to do a full uh, women's show. So this one just happened last year. It's got a, it's a tournament 
for the show, but um, it's got you know people like Session Moth Martina, Wesna is on this, which Vesna was on the last one we watched from WXW. She's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sammy Jane, Layla Hirsch, uh, some Baby Allison, I don't know her, and Lufisto is on this show. Yeah, as well as Faye Jackson challenging right. Amelie for the WXW Women's Championship. So a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, talented ladies on this show. I'm looking forward to checking it out. Definitely, definitely excited to check it out. In the meantime, if you want to keep up with us, you can do so on two places, Facebook and Twitter. For Facebook, just search for the name of the podcast. For Twitter, it's at GrappleCast. If you'd like to follow me on t- Twitter, I'm at Deadpool1205. You can follow me, Tony G, at BeyondSanity19. And we'll see you next week for WXW Femme Fatales 2019. Alrighty then. Fresh batch of participants, possible future retribution members, uh, arrived at the Performance Center this oh, last yeah. week. Is this the, is this uh, the one that's like just like basically just all the evolved people officially being absorbed in? It the ones that hadn't already yeah kind of been absorbed or been okay. signed or anything. Yeah, it's it's basically everybody for the most part. <laughs> uh, Brandy Lauren, Anthony Green, Josh Briggs, Leon Ruff, Joe Gacy, and uh, Seth Rollins' evil referee Jake Clemens, as well oh. as Kurt Stallion. So one of uh, yeah. A, you know, so quite a quite a group there, and then the one that people kind of kept like, you know, the evolved people were kind of getting most of the attention just because of you know their exposure. But Jacob Casper is apparently one to keep an eye on. He is a uh, amateur wrestler, two time All American from Duke, who also placed in the 2016 Olympics. He's apparently, and isn't this is fucking ironic? Gerald Briscoe has apparently yeah. been like. You know, uh, bringing this kid along for years now, you know, kind of like getting him, you know, ready for this. Now Gerald Briscoe doesn't work there, yeah, of so, course. But, but they, but he, I don't know. He looks very. There wasn't anything where you're like, whoa, like as far as the eyeball test goes. You know what well, I mean? I mean like, he's he's still like brand new, right? Like it's not right. like okay, he's and he's young wrestling. Oh, and he's young and all that. But I just mean like even Brock Lesnar. Like the first time you saw like a picture of him in like his oh, college yeah. singlet, you're like, Jesus Christ! You're like, look yeah. at that fucking guy. Like this kid's big. I mean, you know, he's you know he'll have that amateur base to his learning. We'll see what comes of that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's this is a good crew. I mean, NXT, in my opinion, could kind of use, and not that they're all going to become rushing in, but could kind of use a bit of a rotation when it comes to the talent, you know. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's probably going to happen. I mean, there's just some of those guys. It's like you got to sink or swim at some point. You know, like undisputed era. Like they're just floundering at this point. Like now well, they're just. They're still doing stuff. They're having storylines. Well, they're That's doing not stuff, like, but it, it's not like one of those guys that just keeps showing up and then disappearing like Bugenhagen. Right. <laughs> well, but, you know, or, or it's also I've been conditioned by the NXT trend where it's just like, you know, I feel like they had their run. They accomplished yeah. the prophecy. They all had the gold. They did all lost the gold. And mm-hmm. now they're all just. It's the problem, of, out, it's, you know, it's the problem like, of sitcoms. It's they they have to continually right. keep having storylines, but it's like there's no more. This these characters right. are done, or this this thing yeah. feels done. Yeah, I mean Adam Cole's fighting fucking Pat McAfee, and you know they're yeah things of that nature. So yeah, so it's just feels like there should be a exodus here at some point of all these the draft. I didn't can see do that because this this draft was useless. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, in it, no, go ahead. No, no, you're fine. No, I it was I was, it was about the draft, and I'm gonna save it for the the dish. So. Oh, okay, I got you. Um, Bound for Glory is coming up from Impact. 
something that just caught my eye, and I'm like, I don't know, this is your WrestleMania, you know, air quotes, and your X Division title match is a six-way, and your tag team championship match is a fatal four-way. Like, I don't... Sorry, I'd be okay with well, like a three man in the X Division Championship or like maybe a four way right. because that's just kind of the style right. that it's always been. But yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't want a six person or yeah, that seems like a little bit overkill. It's that's just because it, it just also means like you've created no meaningful storyline. Yeah, it's been diluted. The, you know what I mean? Or you've, you know, you've polluted it with too many people. So it's not necessarily a great thing to see. But hey, you never know. Who's so in the main incredible who's, matches? Who's main? Who's wrestling for the main championship? I think it's Eric Young and because uh, he's the champ, still, right? Yeah. Past that, I couldn't tell you. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I don't fucking know. Okay. Thanks for asking that. Um, I didn't know because whenever I see you looking at your phone, I don't know if you're looking at like more information or not. But no, I'm looking at my notes. Your notes. Okay. This is my notes. This oh, is where okay. my notes are. Gotcha. That's where I keep them at all times. Um, it's something that I just don't, I don't understand. And also I kind of don't care as much because when Meltzer starts really getting into like the different demographics and the quarter hour numbers, when there's 14 year old girls watching and when there's 13 year old girls watching, like it gets a little bit into the weeds, but I do find it strange that consistently he does talk about how AEW just dominates when it comes to like a female demographic. Yeah. And when you watch NXT, it, you know, maybe Brady Rhodes was right. Maybe women don't like women's wrestling because <laughs> NXT is a far superior brand when it comes to like what they provide and, yeah. you know, showcase on a weekly basis from a women's standpoint. I mean, it's night and day. There was again one women's segment this week on Dynamite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's like they don't even care at this point. People have just stopped even calling them out, I guess. Um, their champion wasn't even on the show. But I don't know. I just find that. So I just find that. I'm like, well, you know what? Maybe they don't give a shit or they do. Maybe they do prefer men's wrestling or the majority of the news. You know, maybe there's something to that because otherwise it just seems to me like, well, you would be watching. I'd be curious to know, like what, what specific storylines they're they're like clinging to or there is bringing them back to to the show just because you know, there is a difference in style of storytelling. Like we've talked about before. Right. Yeah. Dynamite's more of a competition to a raw or SmackDown than an NXT. NXT is a little bit different. And maybe that just is a different style that is preferred by, you know, maybe more of the storyline based style is more preferred for the the ladies. I don't know. No, that makes sense. And that would make, that would make a lot of sense. Cause yeah, it is more, but yeah, you're right. It's not apples to apples with NXT and AEW as much as everybody wants to make it out to be because they're on the same night. NXT's, more like Ring of Honor when mm-hmm. it comes to how their weekly television is produced. You know what I mean? It's yeah. mostly matches. And uh, but you're not, not wrong as far as like the the strength of the women's division. It's clearly stronger on the NXT side, and they clearly give more yeah. time to it on the NXT side. But maybe yeah. it's just you know maybe the characters aren't aren't com- you know completely uh, sticking with them or something. I don't know. Yeah, that that may be the case. I mean, yeah, because this week you had pull apart brawl made tag team match main event, you know, like, I mean, there's just a lot of stuff. Anyway, so we'll get to that. But that's just something I find interesting, even though when you start getting to the weeds of like some of those numbers, it's like, good God, you guys, could you talk about anything else? The one that's the the one that's the most interesting to me is the age gap difference in that NXT somehow has all these 50 year olds and I don't understand what it is. (laughs) 
<laughs> about well, it specifically. I think, it's, I think it's just the WWE fans. It's just yeah. probably the Lord. But like of even even when like the you know when one of them doesn't have a show and the other ones they're like the fifty year olds and the really young people they stick with their brands. They don't like come to the other show when there's not a, a week where that's on or like if there was a debate the fifty year olds just disappear all to the debate. Like <laughs> well that's true too. You know that's one thing I always like. Oh the debate hurt dynamite and uh yeah. NXT it's like I don't know by maybe like a hundred thousand people like they were both yeah. right about in their w- range of what they get on a weekly basis and like I did I, see that they mentioned that specifically for NXT who has dominated the 50 plus that that dropped like 25 percent once the debate oh, okay. started or whatever but yeah it wasn't a, it wasn't like something <laughs> like, they had uh, a point two or something or you know way yeah, lower I, I don't I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but guys, but I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that wrestling fans aren't the, probably the most politically engaged folks in the no. world. So. And when, when you know that you've got wrestling fans who are, the people that are watching it live on TV would be the more likely to be people that would give a shit about the ratings battle in the war. Well, that too, yeah. They might right. be more willing to, you know, watch the debate after it's on and then watch this live just to support yeah. their team, you know? No, that's a good point. Um, man, I, I just, can't believe this Randy Orton shit just won't stop. And it wasn't even like good this week. Like, I don't know. It's oh, just when I slid on those out. night vision goggles. It's just like, yeah, I did what I did. So what? I mean, that's like the extent of the storytelling here. Like from, what, <laughs> yeah, from his splinter cell moment last yeah. week. That was the game video game. I could not remember the title of the entire time we talked about the night vision goggles. I was trying to pull out the splinter cell reference and I couldn't yeah. pull it out. Yeah. So, yeah, so Drew's still mad at him. There was a six-man tag main event. Orton, Rude, and Ziggler fought McIntyre and the Street Profits. It's all just very <laughs> meh. Um, Six-lady tag. Zelina, Lana, and Natalia fought Asuka, Dana, and Mandy. Oh, I've been mad about that already earlier. The Dana, Brooke, and Mandy draft picks. You know, the, <laughs> why, why did you need to use draft? They were on your... Anyway. Oh. Ah, oh, man. Um, yeah, so that happened. And then the, because, you know, again, a lot of this is kind of rendered as pointless because of after the draft, but the Rollins and Mysterio thing, it, I can't believe they drafted both those guys to the same show. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that, Ra- that Ray Mysterio is not going to be necessarily a weekly person if there isn't a current storyline for him to be there for, you know? Right. Well, but they're, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, because Rollins. Gave Murphy until 10 p.m. to apologize to him after everything he's been through. Been through. Uh, Murphy would apologize to Aaliyah backstage, and she was all, you know, soap opera. It's not your fault. You don't need to worry about me. Um, and she was upset that he was going to apologize to Rollins. Well, guess what? He didn't apologize to Rollins, and Ooh. beat Seth up, and uh, he demanded that Seth apologize to Aaliyah, and Seth was all like, "I'm sorry. I'm sorry." Uh, and then Seth begged Murphy to stop, and like an idiot, he did. And then Seth just took the kendo stick from Murphy and just <laughs> beat him with it. Uh. And and he was actually kind of saying, Aaliyah went out there to stop it, and then her, her family came out and like made her stop caring. Like, no, you come with us. You're not allowed to be out <laughs> Don't here help caring that about man. Him. Yeah, get away from that homeless man. Look at that shaggy beard. Oh. Um, we finally got our raw, so, raw women's tag title match. Ended exactly how you all knew it would. Shayna and Nia defeated the Riot Squad. Not surprised anybody. Yeah. Yeah. No, and, it's not um, yeah. It's you know you know it's it's it says a lot about 
how they care about how much they care about this and how much I kind of care about this that they revealed the leader of retribution. And yes. I could barely be bothered to even <laughs> talk about it. What 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 about is, what why does why does the reveal like suddenly make you not want to talk about it? Well, folks, the draft's happened, and I just think it's more interesting. Oh no, I got you there. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I, here's the thing about it. I wish this was going great for everybody because I want them all to do well, mm-hmm. and I love Mustafa Ali, and I'm excited that he's the leader of it. But it, it was positioned in the middle of the show, yeah. and then it wasn't made a deal about for the rest of you know what i mean like yeah this these guys went from like threatening to shut the show down and like throwing Molotov cocktails to now they're like in the mid card feuding with the hurt business we got contracts now so we don't have to worry about showing up for the main event and i just have this bad feeling that this is going to run its course mm-hmm. with the hurt business and then that's going to be the end of retribution i mean that's possible it seems like there's not i mean there's not I just, I, a lot. To I mean, begin, maybe I'm I wrong. I maybe I'm wrong. But it just that momentum felt v- didn't feel good. Like as great as the mm-hmm. job I thought Ali did, and I thought it was a pretty well done thing. It had just been shit on to the level of no return. For, yeah, I think a lot for a lot of people. And it, it cracks was me like up one that of the, really, Go ahead. No, I was just saying it's one of those things. Like I wanted to be excited about, it, and I was just kind of like, well, I don't really have a lot of faith that you know they're gonna go far with this. No. No, I don't have a lot of faith in it, and I also don't have faith in it when they just like cut members of the team out. Like, where did Mercedes Martinez go? Why is she not a part of this? Why do we only have one girl now? Well, they're still mentioned by name, her and Mia Yim. Oh, have they Mace mentioned both of them? Reckoning well, Mace and Mace. Is, Mace is what's his name, isn't it? No, those are. I thought Mace was uh, Slapjack T Bar. Oh yeah, you're right. It is. Yeah, Mace. It's oh yeah, because Reckoning is one of the girls, and yes. I don't know. I saw something that the people were saying that Mercedes has already been like rescued from this, and she's yeah, just not. Yeah, that's what going they were to- saying. They were sending her back to NXT. Like they're they're done with this. But I've also seen like, but that name that was at least associated okay. with her when they did the reveal is still. So maybe they'll mid- slide a different a lady in there. Well, I mean, yeah, you could. I mean, who? <laughs> I mean, nobody would be upset. They'd be like, "Oh, thank God, you got out of there." Uh, so yeah, we'll see what happens. I, you know, in the mid card, yeah, big. Dom, you know, takeover crew. It was going to burn the building down. Now they're just in the mid card. I will say, though, for the people that like for the, the, you know, the promos were pretty bad straight off the bat Uh, when they were, you know, delivering their, you know, we're going to tear this company to the ground and uh, we've got our contracts uh, now and all that stuff. If there's anybody that could cut a promo in that vein, then make sense and feel sincere. I feel like it's the ex-cop who also has a problem with the current situation in the world that they're parodying with this whole you know antifa group it it makes sense for him to be here like this is there's a perfect position in a a perfect spot where you could get those really passionate promos the problem is Mm -hmm. it's going to be the vince mcmahon cartoon version of all of it and i don't think that he's going to be allowed to do any of that and it's probably like you said going to be in the mid card and it maybe so far the only people that have benefited from this are the hurt business they they've been yeah. elevated by yeah. facing these guys as good guys somehow <laughs> yeah cuz they're good guys whenever they're around but no other time yeah uh yeah so anyway uh we're on dynamite uh we had a little bit of an interesting situation with cage beating will hobbs but then will being offered the uh 
opportunity to become a part of Team Taz. Mm-hmm. We're very quickly Dark- like moving into like New Japan territory of of as far as like everyone's in an army. <laughs> I think they might. I think they might be doing that because I mean it just. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong, and I don't think that this is over. Even though Darby came out and ran Starks and Cage off, you know that would be. I just feel like it's going to be easier for Hobbs to maybe make some noise or maybe you know get mm. somewhere. He looked good in that match the, with Cage, though. I thought that that's true. I just it's tough to be a babyface, and we've talked yes. about it. It's like yeah, and if you're a little if you're green anyway, and you add that on top of it, it could just you know I just, I don't want it to go badly for the guy. So we'll see what happens. And only Chris Jericho slash Dennis Miller, Hiroshi Tanahashi, <laughs> hockey legend Ted Irvin, and Bully Ray are just the first five names of the people that wished him, you know, wish whatever the hell I guess they wished him. Way yeah. to go on wrestling for 30 years. So yeah. Wished him well. <laughs> it's weird, man. Yeah. It, the Tanahashi one was pretty cool. And I think that's going to is going to happen soon dude i i was really happy to see the tanahashi one on there just because it's like that's that that match was so good and uh i'm excited to see the continuation of that i think that partnership's probably coming you saw harold mage is Mm -hmm. out you know and so so was he was he one of the people that was really like you know having that friction with the idea of like even having conversations with them or i i don't know if it was just an idea that like i don't know if he had a loyalty to ring of honor which I don't think know why he would have, or if he just maybe wanted to stand alone, yeah. didn't want to like I don't know, seem like they were counting on AEW. You were supposed for to be anything. the leaders of our New Japan US. What's that? I said you were supposed to be the leaders of our New Japan United States show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's going great. Yeah, I mean, I've heard, I've not heard anything bad about the wrestling that's been on it. It's just you know, it's oh, not well, making God, a lot no. of waves. Right. No. Um, the brush with greatness at Evans and Halico and Helico taking on FTR. They got the win. Bucks. I like cameraman this week. I like that they keep putting FTR against all of the teams that are completely the opposite of them right now. Like I know I, when seriously. they when they did the. I, I was excited to see the contrast in this match, and I thought that that was a fun a fun contrast to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the th- problem thing is though, you th- you, say, you say that about FTR. It's like, well, hell, who is like FTR in this company? Not a lot, not a lot. Maybe whoever was going to be teaming with Sean Spears, but not not anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that just disappeared. Um, fun MJF Jericho kind of sprinkling here in the middle of the show that we'll get more of later. Our next round is Shaquille O'Neal, Gene Simmons, Don Callis, Lars Ulrich, and Diamond Dallas Page. Given this guy and his friends, it's quite a quite an interesting crew here. Yeah. I, I got really confused. I thought I, I forgot who Lars Ulrich was and was thinking of Lars Sullivan. And I was like, wait, what? I was like, how did you like, get on here? Like Lars Ulrich. Oh, he's that asshole that took uh, Russell Brand's girlfriend away from him and fucking get him to the Greek. <laughs> isn't, that who, isn't that who she was like having an affair with? Oh, she was living be. with Lars Ulrich. I think you might be right. It's been a long time since so I've seen that one. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, that's that's a deep cut. I could have screamed about this. I decided to talk about the draft earlier. I, I'll just fucking sit back and wait and see what the hell they're doing here. I, Cody regains the TNT championship in a dot mm-hmm. color match. I don't know what they're doing I, with the, the greater character. I thought that the promo afterwards was good. It made it even worse. I liked it. it was, I liked that. I like that they're making it clear where, where, where he stands right now. But 
I'm, yeah. I don't, I don't necessarily, the only thing I didn't like about it, I didn't mind Cody winning. I don't mind him winning and going and just continuing the way that he was going. Yeah. That's fine. But what yeah. I don't like is the fact that I thought that Brody Lee was a good champion and could have benefited from a further well, run with this. And Cody doesn't need it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's the thing that I don't understand. It's like, and you lost to this man in three minutes the last time you fought. You've been injured. You return from your injury, and you beat him. Yeah. What's different? Well, I mean, he's, Why, he's been injured and, and rehabbing, and they talked about his, you know, 14 more and pounds. Judging and judging on stuff. a game show well, on TBS. I didn't watch and, that. I didn't see that. <laughs> I haven't either. God, I refuse to watch it. No, I just, I'm like up to here with the Cody character. Like, it's getting Paul Heyman-ish. Okay. He's just... I'm just, I don't like it. I, I, I'm getting a little sick of the like, uh, I don't know. It's over dramatic to me. It's over the, t- it, I don't disingenuous. know. Disingenuous. For me, I don't, I was kind of feeling that way until this week when like I watched the Road to Jericho show before the Dynamite. I thought they did a good job building that and kind of having, you know, the, the Cody build there and kind of showing, you know, the replay of him, his return and stuff and make kind of framing it in a way that made a little bit more sense than the way that they originally presented it without any context for anyone and just expected right. us to wonder what is going on with this new look, Cody and all this other shit. Um, but I thought the match was, was good. And I thought that, you know, I, like you said, oh, yeah, I, the match was good. Yeah. I just don't know where they're going with Cody. Are they just are they going to just continue the to just build? I mean, if you if that's the plan is to just continue to build this TNT thing and try to keep building this championship the way that you had been building it, then why did we do? Uh, is, was it only that he took time off to to judge in this talent show? Pretty sure, pretty, <laughs> pretty sure. He, I mean, yeah, you know, I'm sure you could always use some time to recover from lingering yeah, things for sure, but. but I don't know. I just he's the I'm all, he's just he's always overcoming the odds and everything's against him and how's he gonna do it this time? And he's also got two managers with him at all times, you know. But he's the underdog and yeah. I just I don't. I'm just not. I've, I've, I think the ship sailed. I don't know. It I soured s- me this week. I, I see what you're saying. I just I, it didn't I hit soured. me that way for some reason this week. I, I I for some reason it was able to pull me back towards the the fan of and maybe it was watching this match with Kushida and remembering the build to All In and all that that yeah. that is it helped me. But I don't know. Well, and I mean, I guess if the idea is that he went from this like slightly arrogant, brash guy, but when he had the belt, that was too cocky. But he never really made that clear in this promo this yeah. week you know like that he had learned from those mistakes and that he was like, gonna be a different man now and that he realized that he couldn't take things like yeah. but instead it just kind of felt like i don't know like he didn't fucking learn anything i don't know <laughs> no it, it, there's, there's a little bit of that where they kind of dropped that part of the story that the fact that he had been doing things that were upsetting arn and stuff and, well, i mean although right. they did continue that a little bit in the fact that he accepted this match without arn's blessing and all that so maybe that's yeah. going to be the continuation of the storyline. Maybe this was uh, Kenny Omega false uh, sincerity that I just bought into because I was just watching the promo from after the, the Global Wars show. I don't know. Nice. All right, so And he's fighting Orange Cassidy for some reason next week. So well, because be Orange Cassidy's been on a run, so I, I imagine that he would be able to just well, I know, but it's just weird that Orange, Orange just lost a match to Brody for the title. Within like oh, yeah, that's month. true. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, that's why I, was I was thinking about all the other matches that he had. had. I forgot about that yeah. one. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's why. When, that's why when he came out, I was like, you just had your shot, man. <laughs> like, all right, whatever. Um, 
Yeah, we're gearing up for this number of contenders tournament for the world title. Phoenix, Omega, and Jungle Boy were announced last week. This week, we got Wardlow, Colt Cabana, and Hangman Page. We then got Omega's thoughts, and he is just full thick into the, you know, arrogance, you know, kind of steaming out of him as he's speaking about Page being a good tag team wrestler. And, you know, that's good. That they're, you know, that's nice. That they're going to let some tag team wrestlers in there, too. And, you know. <laughs> And uh, don't be surprised if after he wins that he's the person, first person in line to challenge whoever the champion is. I didn't love the promo, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. I know, I think it's that, like, cleaner thing he's, mm-hmm. like, kind of leaning into, which it works when the fans don't speak your language to be as cartoonish and over the top with, like, the way you yeah. emote and say things. Huh? Here, we understand what you're saying. So it seems theatrical it gets a little bit yeah it's a little bit too much she's and it's like are you doing that because you're just like being an arrogant prick or i don't i don't know it it's i don't know it it, it wasn't a i don't remember this promo like now you're mentioning this i don't know if i like walked out of the room for this segment or something i I don't know how it it just went went under the radar for me i guess because i don't remember this that much but at the same time, I like K- Kenny Omega's promos are hit or miss generally, and sometimes they're misses. Yeah. And I don't know that he can necessarily prevent that with just the way that he delivers things. But I just with the way that they're turning this character, I was really enjoying. Uh, I'm hoping that the the way they are describing it, I'm hoping that it's more so towards the way that he's been on the announce table. With it's you know he still wants the fans to believe that he is a good guy and that he's that he's doing this for his own reasons and he's doing it for the fans and he wants to be what they want him to be, that sort of a thing. I liked that idea of that like self-absorbed yeah. wanting to be... Because I don't want him to just be Will Ospreay 2.0 from New Japan right now. Like Will Os- I don't like right. Will Ospreay's doing it. I don't want to hear that same promo from Kenny Omega just saying, oh, it doesn't matter because I'm the best wrestler, that sort of thing, you know? Ah, right, gotcha, yeah. So no, I don't know. I mean, you'd have to maybe see it. I probably maybe I might be being a little harsh. So, um, your women's segment of the week in AEW: Swole beat Serena Deeb in a match with no heat, no build, <laughs> no. Was reasoning. this? Did they say that this was for like a, the number one contendership or anything, or was it for like a, just just a random? I mean, you know, match? they they talked up Swole being. I think you know. I think she's in the top five as far as the standings go, and then. But the, really, they spent most of the match talking up Serena Deeb's, uh, like you know, like history all her, and all that. And then she lost, and it was like, oh yeah, and swole. <laughs> Shit, we forgot to talk about her. Um, so, oh uh, man, yeah. Uh, Lance Storm, Kevin Smith, Eli Roth, Gabriel Iglesias, Chavo Guerrero, Steel Panther, Ultimo Dragon, and Paul Stanley all give Jericho their best. Yeah, <sighs> it was cool seeing Ultimo Dragon. I like the second batch a little bit better than the first batch. It doesn't have fucking Dennis Miller in it, so it's always better. So, <laughs> hey, <laughs> how about the Democrats? Uh, and then the main events: Lutheran Serpentico lost, of course, to Jericho and Hager. It's his yeah. birthday, after all. But that's not what's important here. Well, because it actually wasn't that good of a match. But no, I was just going to say we need to talk a little bit about Luther because the guy. I mean, he might be a great guy. He might be a great person. A well, good he's his best friend, Jericho, friend, you know. And I get that, right? 
but like, and maybe, and hopefully if that was that, then this was this, like they knew that this would be, you know, he was just out there trying his best uh, if that's the case. Cause man, that man's legs, he doesn't need to be wrestling anymore. Like for his future, he doesn't need to be wrestling anymore. Not for us watching. Just, it made me concerned the way that he was like unable to move hardly at all. Like anytime that he got on those ropes, that was the shakiest legs I have ever seen. And he would just like tumble off of them. I'm pretty sure he almost flattened the head of Sammy Guevara on that dive to the outside. Like he, his ass yeah. lands directly on that man's head. Like it looked <laughs> so bad, and I, yeah. I, I wanted it to be better, and I wanted it to be good. But there's just you know bodies fail at a certain point, and this dude apparently did enough moves to his legs that it is just he's gonna have the Hulk Hogan syndrome for like the rest of his life apparently. Yeah, I mean, you know, good for him to get this opportunity to work with his friend Chris, yes. but uh, yeah, the match is not good. <laughs> no, I'm, <laughs> not I'm hoping in all. his mind it was a uh, you know a final sort of like this is great to wrestle one of my friends who right. we've been together for years and years and years. You know, here at the end of my you know as, as the tw- the dwindling down of my career, and not this is the start of my run on AEW. I'm hoping that's not what was going through his mind. <laughs> he was wrestling that match. World, world title, here I come. <laughs> Uh, I knew I knew when Moxley was like excited to see him. Like, is that a fucking Luther? First time he saw him, so nice. That's nice. Well, speaking, uh, of, we we skipped over the. I don't know where it was at on the show specifically. Promo. The promo from Moxley I thought was really well done. Like that, I like the way that it was shot. No, I I love the way they handle the Moxley character. It's yes, perfect. Really, it's you know every time anytime you've heard him describing like what the, everything they did wrong with the Dean Ambrose character, it was you see what he was yes. trying to get them to understand, you know, this mm-hmm. is what he wanted Dean Ambrose to be, you know, like, yeah, no, I thought, yeah, have- it was a very interesting, like, uh, just the, you know, having him in a bar or whatever. I thought it was an interesting location. Mm-hmm. I thought it was shot well yep. and cut well. And yeah, it, it got me excited for the match. Archer had a good one as well. There was a, like a counter to the Moxley. Like there was uh, a okay. Archer promo too, where he was, ah, I'm going to kill you. You know, like same everybody dies. All right. I mean, it's not a bad gimmick. Listen, um, but Jericho celebrating in the ring with the inner circle. I think the bubbly maybe had <laughs> arrived already and Jericho takes the mic and, uh, begins to thank the fans. And then the music of MJF hits and he and Wardlow come out. He's very clear about it. he's not there to steal the spotlight. He just wants to be a part of the celebration. <laughs> he says it's gift o'clock. And tells Wardlow to reveal Clownico. This was the weirdest, most random seemingly thing. <laughs> I was like, is this something? Is this somebody? Is this go? I, okay. And no didn't idea. do anything. What? Uh, you no, know, I was say, I have no idea. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I was feeling yeah. the same thing. I was like, is this, am I supposed to know the reference here? Or right. get whatever that, this is. Is that, is that Frank the Clown? Because I saw him at a show last night. No, I wasn't even that guy. Um, <laughs> And then NJF says that Chris inspires him and that next week he's going to make a career defining announcement. And uh open then Jericho opens his second gift, which was a picture of MJF. Mm-hmm. Uh Chris isn't thrilled about a lot about this and <laughs> hits a Judas effect on the clown and told MJF not to interrupt him again. Well, he he, he busted the glassless frame over top of right. the clown's head first. I was like, you guys couldn't even get like any sort of like sugar glass or anything to put in there. Uh. They're like, eh, we don't want to clean it up. <laughs> um, but then, after a tense moment, they laugh it off, and it seems as if all is well still between these two. Yeah. 
And then the SNL credits roll with Chris Jericho's name credited for everything as all the heels came out to the ring and totally That's SNL'd it. It was hilarious. Like, I, I, I thought it was really funny. My favorite part about all of that is if you watch The Butcher, did you notice him hugging Wardlow and Wardlow not moving a single centimeter, like <laughs> stood completely still as he like half hugged him and then like just walked off. <laughs> right. Wardlow was probably like, ah, probably better not go quite that far. <laughs> Got to stay in pro into the character here somewhat. Um, and then just lastly here, a few notes on NXT. Tommaso Ciampa and Kushida. That's a feud I'd like to see more of. Mm-hmm. Not involving Velveteen Dream interfering in it and <laughs> selling like Shawn Michaels sold for Hulk Hogan at SummerSlam. Oh, goodness. That's how he always sells now. It drives me crazy about the Velveteen Dream. Everything is him like cartoonishly like going stiff as a board and opening his eyes wide mm-hmm. and then falling over. So, you know, I don't know. Like it just, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's everything that guy does bothers me and he bothers me in general. So gotcha. Uh, Ember moon cut a promo. Ugh, I hate to be like the promo police this week, but not good. Uh, she was doing like, and it was like, this is hopefully somebody backstage. This is a very easy fix. She was doing the like, ha like the fake uh, laughs. Like after every after line she'd like say something. She's like, you know, and like kind of yeah. it was a little cringy. Like, just keep going. Don't let let us laugh. <laughs> it was just kind of indie-ish. I can understand that. And then like her big thing is like, there's gonna be a new thing around here, and it's gonna be Ember Moon's way or rules or something. The book of Ember Moon is like, oh yeah, what's that? And it means that she's gonna do what she wants. Because uh, she's Ember Moon, damn it. I was like, well, that's oh, not that original okay. or catchy of a phrase. Like, <laughs> I mean, as long as you got a contract, as long as you got a contract, we know you can do anything you want to whoever you want. So, <laughs> that's right. You go set the uh, you know building on fire if you want. Nobody really cares. <laughs> uh, the Drake African Dane Dick Killing Dane stuff continues to be good with their resistant tag team, and even after this match, the match this week. Uh, Dane felt bad enough to go back and at least carry Drake backstage after he punched him in the face. And as he was carrying Drake, Drake was like giving a thumbs up and a big smile <laughs> on his face, like it's working. You know, he's starting to like me. Uh, Dude, Drake like Maverick that, is just guy. a guy that it's like it's no matter what they do with him, he goes all out and tries to make it as good as he can. And it's amazing that they ever thought they were going to just fire the guy earlier this year. I mean, he would have been. A great get for anybody Any out there. You could he would have been probably Impact. He probably went back in Impact. If That's I had possible, guess. yeah. But yeah. I mean, you know, anybody would have been happy to have him. The Gargano stuff continues to be good with them doing the segments out at their house. This week, a 65-inch TV was left outside their house by Indy Hartwell. It seems like she's... Okay. And then they both mentioned like, oh, they're kind of skeptical, but... You know, maybe she's all right after all. They found video later of a battle royal where she didn't attack Candace. Mm. And so, so I don't know. There's this weird. I'll be interested to see where what the direction goes with this third woman added yeah. to this situation. I I have concerns. I mean, what do you uh, like? What are, what are your thoughts on the, just the, the location that they're using here and the continued use of this location of, of having of their, them at their house? Oh, I, I like it. I Do like you? that it's something different. It gets them out of the house. I, I think they're both doing really well in the role. Mm. Um, it'd be nice if they let them win some matches since they've <laughs> been in this role. But gotcha. You know, that's that's asking for a lot. That's asking for a lot. So um, no big deal. 
Uh, Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly are both hurt, and they beat each other up real bad. There was a promo video about that. <laughs> just, Makes sense. Like, it's like, all right, that's probably not that a good was- thing. Um, that Ridge Holland is going to be gone, I would say, for a while. Dude, I was listening to people describe those injuries. I didn't see uh, the... Did they show it? Or Well, I mean, I saw it live. Like, it, it was happens happening live? Okay, I didn't know what, on when camera. it happened or whatever. I saw it. I Somehow my eyes just went, like, directly to his legs. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, no. Because, I mean, one leg... like. Bends normally, like bends normally, and the other one like completely just gets tucked underneath him, and I'd imagine tore all yeah. kinds of muscles. So that's a big blow. I mean, for him, I mean, I don't, you know, they'll pivot, but I mean, it felt like he was yeah. about to be a part of something. He was, you know, definitely. working with Adam Cole and stuff. So yeah, definitely a, a tough break. Yeah, and then the way they were describing it, they said that uh, they were able to relocate the knee. At the PC, and then once he got to the hospital, they relocated the the ankle back into position because both of them got dislocated. In that. That's uh, that's that's not probably good. Yeah, <laughs> it was rough. Oh man, yeah. Well, that's, best of luck to that sucks. dude on that healing because that is not going to be a fun time, I'm sure. Yeah, and I don't think it was anything Oni did either. Not that I've seen anybody saying that, but Oni Lorkin was the one that dove on him, and I mm-hmm. don't think it was his fault. Um, yeah, I don't think it was her. Yeah, not don't think it was her fault at all. Um. Yeah, that's really about it. The ladies main evented with the tag match. Zia Lee got a mysterious letter from Boa. Yeah, you all know Boa, that? right? You remember him? <laughs> and then she left with concern. Uh, Shotzi's still doing awesome stuff, promoting the Halloween Havoc thing this week. Are they, are they gonna do? Are they gonna do an immigration storyline here with Zia Lee of like? Oh God! Not being. Yeah. Yeah, they probably will. I mean, yeah, at this point, that's when, this when, company, when a mysterious person shows up with a suit and hands like a foreign person papers, I'm just like, what is going on here? Like, this seems like <laughs> this is probably something bad. But maybe it's just like something's going on with their family back at home, or there's a, a wrestler that knows something, and who knows what this yeah. mystery is going to be. I'm just glad to yeah. see at least you know they've got a storyline going with her because they they had her you know they debuted her and they they seemingly like still keep her often in matches, but there's never been like a real storyline that has been involved with this character in my no, memory. She, yeah. 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 No, she's kind of just been around. You're right. So hopefully big things for her in the near future, but um, yeah, we'll see what happens in NXT. It's uh, a lot of people are hurt right now. That's probably not good. <laughs> that's, not really, that's not great. <laughs> NXT. We've got a half of our roster. Yeah. Oh God. Oh goodness. All right. So that's current yeah. wrestling then. Yep. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's right, Hulk. You can listen to the Golden Age of Grappling podcast any day of the week. But if you're looking for new episodes, you can check out our website, goldenagepodcast.com, or look for us on iTunes. New episodes releasing every... Shut up, you fat! Oh, a little Friday, Saturday, Sunday comes again. 